Hi guys, welcome to the MMA UK BJJ show. Uh, obviously, my name's Stoomboy, as always. Uh, episode 25 today with Chris Fensom. Uh, Chris is a black belt under, well, what would you say? Would, would he be under Hodger or under Mauricio? Oh, well, uh, I'd say I'd say none of them. So uh, <laughs> I was under Kev, sorry, under I mean, Kev. Yeah, so you got Ro- it's all lineage, right? So Mauricio taught Roger, Roger taught Kev, and Kev taught me. I've been lucky enough that a lot of the time with the lineage, people don't get to kind of train up. But I've trained with Mauricio a lot, and I've got to train with Roger quite a lot actually, yeah. and then obviously Kev himself. But I, I would always put Kev first, you know. But unless, unless I'm trying to sell a seminar, and then I put Roger first. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so, so black belt under Kev. Obviously, Chris has been a yeah. black belt for just over three years. I think it was October, November 2017. Uh, got your black belt. So Yeah, I don't think it counts because I haven't rolled in like a year, like most of the people, <laughs> or like hardly. So if it, we're only called it two years. I won't ask for my, my, uh, my degree on my belt for a little while. I'll be patient That's on true, that Yeah, because that, that degree should coming up around about now so um so yeah so two years two years of black yeah um so yeah we're going to chat to chris obviously about chris has got an extensive martial arts experience as we're going to find out so as he quite he's done quite a bit so um we're going to talk a bit about that so uh absolute honor to have you on chris how are you doing this great beautiful sunday afternoon it is a nice sunny afternoon, and uh, normally I, I'm, I'm trying to be quite a balance with my life, so I try and keep weekends very uh, family orientated. I've got four young children, and uh, it's actually, I managed to ditch the wife in the park with all the kids <laughs> to come and talk <laughs> fighting with you, which is brilliant, and she even looked after the kids when I got up this morning and watched last night's UFC, so right. like, today is a good day. Terrible, like, did you watch the UFC? I don't want to ruin it for you. I, but, did, I didn't watch it, no, I do I got the results obviously put facebook on and you you get all the results so i kind of know obviously some of the kind of talking points and stuff yeah. like that so. i thought the the obviously i'm a huge fan of i i like all the commentators on the the ufc use like i i i'd admire all of them i'm a huge joe rogan fan but uh i thought they were pretty terrible um with their bias in the main event it was like you know yang gets a takedown and they're like look at adestania's break for look how he didn't take too much damage wasn't he good and uh <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Blakovich beat him, like, outstruck him every single round, landed yeah. heavier shots every single round, and all they were talking about was the fact that uh, Adesanya's feints looked really good. And it, I, I think the bias... And sometimes I found doing commentating, sometimes you feed off the other commentator and you kind of reinforce each other's opinion, and you have to... Yeah. It, it, it can be very hard to be objective. And I think they all like Adesanya as well, and they yeah. all want to see him fight John Jones and all that stuff. But um, I found it really cringy and painful to watch because I could see that they were miles off. And uh, and then Ooh. when the scorecard came back, all the judges had given it four rounds to Blakovich, and they were surprised. And they're like, I want to see the scorecard. I can't believe that. And I'm like, <laughs> like, it was pretty obvious that he run, won four rounds. And even the one he lost, it was really close. Like I could have, if someone had given all five, I wouldn't yeah. have been at all surprised. But anyway, that's yeah. uh, that was my frustrating morning. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I mean, I kind of thought Jan was going to win it. Um, I had a good idea he was going to win it. I mean, to come in, I mean, obviously we saw the Adesanya coming in. What was he, about 190-something pounds? Yeah. Um, coming in for a 205. So, I mean, Adesanya mentioned it. I saw the interview after the fight, and he mentioned that potentially the weight could have been an issue. Um, but it did, Yeah, exploded. The problem was, like... You're a fairly heavy guy. I am as well. I'm not trying to insult you, right? I, I'm in the 100K club. I think you're about the same, right? I'm the same, yeah. So 
they, as you know, being on top when you're heavy, it's a lot. It's a lot easier than being on the bottom. Yes. So, uh, Blackridge is a great. He's got a great pressure top game, um, and he was getting. He was putting himself in half guard, not side control, just to take the space away, um, yeah. and then just not giving him the underhook. And it, it's a bit of a shame because I thought Adesanya. Looked, I saw those videos where he's rolling at Atos, and it's hard to tell just how good someone is. But and previously, he's defended floor situations really well but um i thought this time uh he looked a bit ropey off his back and like yeah all right he's giving up 10 pounds 20 pounds but we've all rolled with people where we're giving up 20 pounds i i've i could give up 20 pounds and probably still get on my side from the bottom of half guard and it was yeah. like, oh yeah but you're getting hit but they can only hit you with the one arm right so the one they need to fight the underhook the same side you're fighting so you got to cover the bicep on the other side and you should uh, he's tired but yeah, I thought maybe a little bit of... I mean, his skill level grappling to striking is always going to be he's such a better striker. But yeah. um, I thought it was a big hole in his game, and it's the blueprint on how to beat him now as well, which is probably quite frustrating for him. Yeah, definitely. And that kind of ruined a lot of stuff, because obviously there was the talk of the John Jones fight and stuff like that, so... It's kind of put that on a back burner as well. Um, but that's what, that's what I like about the UFC. They can't... You know, at WWE, they just build it up to the, and even boxing, they just build yeah. it up to the biggest name fights, the biggest name, and it's it's not kind of, it doesn't feel real. Like yeah. obviously WWE, but boxing doesn't feel real because you don't really know who the best guy is because they just they you know hide these guys away so they don't fight, they're never in any real danger. Whereas with the yeah. UFC, they have champions that don't sell great pay per views, but they're just the best guys, and that's mm-hmm. like they protect the whole sport overall and keep it legit. So I'm yeah. happy with that, and um, John can go fight. At heavyweight, and that'll be super entertaining anyway. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, and no, I've I've still to see the fights. So I did, I did catch up. I knew that I heard about the bias um, and the commentating. Oh, it's so painful. Fight, so, um, so it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see. So, um, so yeah. I mean, for you then. I mean, obviously lockdown. I mean, how's how's lockdown been treating you? Oh, I'm loving it, man. <laughs> Four kids at home, no school, no jiu-jitsu. It's brilliant. No, um, so, do you know, I think, so, uh, a few years ago, I was kind of close to losing my business, and I had a bit of, uh, not like depression or mental breakdown or whatever, but I had this kind of like slightly dark time in my life, and um, I realized maybe I was a bit mentally weak, or like so like attached to I'm an instructor or or I'm this, that, and the other. And that's like my identity that I kind of lost without it. So I kind of, um, I was like, how can I like, the same way you like, before you injure a joint, like prehab, right? You go, oh, I got to, my knee feel, I want to make my knee stronger before I break them. I'm not going to fix them. I'm going to worry about it before. So like mental version of that. So I started reading like various religious texts, which kind of didn't really appeal to me. And then uh, stoicism. So Marcus Aurelius and uh, Epictetus, and like um and they they were on to something about kind of mental resilience so you as a, the stoics would look at something and go you've got to figure out can you do something about it or can't you right if you can do something about it go fucking do it right <laughs> if you can't do anything about it accept it and move on and just do what you can right so i yeah. couldn't do anything about lockdown obviously none of us can 
But can I look after myself and stay healthy? Can I use the time to bond with my children better and teach all four of them to ride a bike, right? Yeah. Can I read more books? Can I study a foreign language every day? Can I just spend more time with my wife? Because normally I work every single night teaching. And jiu-jitsu people, we can be a little bit selfish on that front, very selfish on that front. <laughs> so yeah. although it's been very frustrating and I've had a few dark days like everyone else where you just want to throw something against the wall, um, I just try to get the best out of the situation. And one of the things that's been really nice is just like your, you guys, Jim, my, a lot of my students have kept supporting me through this. And, um, you know, you get to really appreciate that. And people have just been so, so nice as I have for my instructor as well. And the ones that haven't been able to do that, they've been, you know, we will be back and we want to support you or, or thank you for everything you've done. So like, yeah. Especially now, it feels like where there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm finding the whole experience. I'm trying to like take the positives from it as opposed to kind of just worry, like feel all depressed. And I think as jiu-jitsu people, we can be like, we're not rolling, life's over. <laughs> but like, there is a bit more to life than rolling. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot more, but a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. How about yourself? How, like, how have you coped without being on the mats? Do you know, I've been fortunate. I've been I've been able to work from home. So I work um, in an office. Um, so I've been able to do that from home. So at the moment, this room that I'm in just now, this is my everything. At the yeah. So, so this is my uh, obviously office. This is where I eat food. This is where I obviously not sleep, sleep in the bedroom. But yeah, pretty much this is my office. This is everything yeah. at the moment. So, so in regards to training, I've done no training whatsoever. Um, and the reason I've not done training is one, I like to be in the gym. Yeah, um, yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, I'm one of these people, and I, I need to have if I'm training, I need to have people with me um and going into the gym and having like the banter when we're rolling about and do you know what i mean like I, when i roll with people i like to talk to them as i'm rolling um <laughs> no, like, yeah, just, just, friendly talking or trash talking always talking about <laughs> both about both so um and it's just the way i am and i'd say the guys in the gym they, they do the same back to me whenever yeah. whenever we roll that that's just our, that's my thing so for me to be able to do that in the house, um, yeah. I mean, my son trains. My son's yeah. what twenty three, so he does train. Um, but he, um, he's because he's very not unmotivated. But he didn't. He doesn't want to do training in the house. The same yeah. thing because again, we need to be in the gym. So in regards to training, I've done absolutely nothing. Um, so I'm looking forward to April twenty sixth coming back. Um, and getting back to the gym. In fact, I'm telling you why. When we did open in August last year, I did go in for a couple of classes, but it was with yep. grappling dummies. Um, and do you know what I mean? You can't really t trash talk a grappling dummy. So. <laughs> well, they never tap. That's the problem. The best we're going to get is a draw if you go sub only. So, <laughs> so but no, I went and did a couple of classes. Um, and do you know, it was good. It was good. Obviously, going in, seeing the guys, it was limited yeah. people. There because obviously we were doing classes like eight or ten people, so um, it was good. But as I say, for me, do you know what I mean? I need, I need to be in amongst people and training and stuff like that. So um, I get that, and I think that's what I've missed the most is more the I've missed the, like rolling, or whatever. But I've done it for so long. 
like yeah. a little break's okay but yeah it's the social aspect of it and i think my favorite part of jiu-jitsu honestly is the sitting around talking shit afterwards like <laughs> you got that endorphins <laughs> you've done a bit of bonding hopefully yeah. you know tapped a few people out if it's gone well that day and yeah. uh, then you just sit around talking rubbish and that's like i love that bit that's the good definitely bit. definitely <laughs> now we we do i mean we're in as i said it, it started off in the group chat we were swagging each other in the group chat and then um we then uh everybody started playing call of duty so we were on call of duty we did that sunday people yeah. <laughs> we, did that, we did that sunday night at call of duty um where the guys went on and it was basically just an, a couple of hours of just slagging each other off you got to start doing you... belts and stripes in call of duty now it's got to be the <laughs> So, so we did that and then actually we moved away from that we had a big football uh game as well where everybody turned up and it was just basically slagging each other off and it ended up with a couple of the guys rolling at the end of the match at uh, the end of the, yep. the football match um, and then yeah man it was just uh anywhere where there was competition <laughs> we'd be looking for it and we were like right everybody on this let's do this um but yeah April the 26th, we'll all be back. I said, non-combat. So <laughs> I think we'll non-combat until about July, I think. Yep. June or July. And then we'll obviously see what happens then. They'll obviously drop and down the tiers. So. How have you found talking about jiu Because you've done quite a few podcasts. How have you yep. found talking about jiu-jitsu while you can't do it? Is that is that, is that like... <laughs> seeing naughty pictures without being able to do anything you know what i mean, <laughs> no, I mean I, you know what that, that, this is probably one thing where i've been able to do this that's got me by um yeah. obviously being able to talk to to people and i said i've been able to talk to everybody i've had on been an absolute fantastic guest um, yeah we've been able to talk everybody's had a great story everybody's had a great journey um and... i'm gonna prove this wrong i'm gonna be the exception that <laughs> <laughs> No, I listened to I listened to your episode with uh, Carl Fisher, and uh, yeah. I loved it. I instantly added him as a friend on Facebook, and uh, I sent him a message. We're going to meet up and train when we can. Well, and, that uh, said, that Carl, so cool. Carl put a message there, afternoon gents, just to let you know you've got at least one person. Yes! I, I, met, I sent him a message, got his advice on how to deal with you. He gave me some good advice. But was, uh, no, listen, Carl, Carl was brilliant. I mean, Carl, uh, we're going to get a... a, a a second episode with Carol. Because um, obviously when we do it, we like to keep it to maybe around about an hour, just over an hour. Um, uh, as you can probably, whenever anybody listens to a podcast, if it goes like two, three, four hours or whatever, which mm. I've seen some podcasts, then people get turned off. So yeah. that's why I always keep it just maybe around about an hour. Some some have went, but I think Scott Ramsey, um, we had Scott on and Scott's went on for about an hour and 40 minutes or something. Um, I love and, talking. That's my goal then, right? Hour yeah. and 40. I can do it. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, yeah, being able to talk about jiu-jitsu, even though I'm not doing it, I'm not getting in the gym, has been absolutely fantastic. Um, as I said, uh, some of the guys, as I say, all of the guests have been absolutely fantastic. And um, they love talking about jiu-jitsu as well. I mean, yeah, when, yeah. You, when you talk to another jiu-jitsu person and – I mean, you're just talking about jujitsu. You're talking about each other's journeys, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, mm -hmm. I used to do this before before I started doing anything like this. And whenever I went somewhere, like to competitions or to um, maybe other gyms, training at other gyms, that's what I would do. I would go and speak to people that I'd never spoke to before and just talk about jujitsu. Um, yeah. 
And it's one thing, jujitsu guys. I mean, we we don't get the chance to do this very often. So when we do do it, we love to talk about it. So um, so yeah, it's been good. Yeah, there's something about you roll with someone and you. I feel like you you, you kind of. It's that instant comfort thing because you, you've let them, you know. If you if I'm close enough to put give someone a hug, it like implies some kind of intimacy or whatever. R- rapport would be the right word, not intimacy. I'm getting romantic <laughs> on you, but uh, some rapport with them, and then you can you can know a lot about someone straight away by rolling with someone. Like if someone rolls with me, they could they're going to instantly know that I'm not a particularly aggressive person, right? And yeah. that I'm probably a cold callous bastard right so <laughs> um and you get you can know someone so much and you get past all the bs and then you don't know if they drive a maserati or they're a doctor or they're an intellectual or they're you know they're, they're trench digger like you don't know yeah. you're just in a gi and is it a cool guy and yeah it breaks down all those social barriers yeah i love it it's cool yeah you're right yeah Definitely. and it's always that funny thing where they say that i don't recognize my friends by the full name I can tell you who they are. <laughs> like his name's Chris, and he's a black belt. And that's, yeah, that's all I need to know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what, what belt are you, Stuart? You don't want to ask him. So I'm a blue belt four tabs. So yes, strong. I was. Um, I've been doing jujitsu for about seven years. Um, but what I done was um, around about four years ago, I moved gyms. Okay, so I moved. I was uh, under Gracie Baja in Glasgow, and then moved gyms to to Marcus Nardini. Um, I think you're a Creonte then. Creonte. <laughs> I, I never know how to say it properly. Creonte. Creonte. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a proud Creonte as well. So like, I, I I wear it as a badge of honor. I'm like, I train anywhere. I'm a jiu-jitsu whore. It's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's what I did. So about four years ago, I moved gyms. Um, I think about three, four years ago, and because I did that, obviously, when you go to another gym, you start at the beginning of your yeah. belt. All right, so I was a blue belt at the time when I moved over, um, and I wasn't far off my purple belt at that time. Um, but then obviously, I moved, I knew moving gyms, you're gonna have to go back to the start of the blue belt, so which is what I did. And then the obviously, lockdown came, and um, I, I more than likely would have got my purple belt last year. Uh, mm-hmm. potentially, I was, I was said I was, I was possibly going to get it, but then lockdown came along and just. Pfft, can ruined everything. You could have got your technical ruined. purple bat with the grapple dummy. That could have been the goal. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I could have done that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so seven years. That's been good. Been a fantastic seven years. I mean, I've got to train with a lot of people that I wanted to train with. Um, I mean, Hodger. We got the chance yeah. to train with Hodger, Rodolfo Vieira, uh, train with Draculino. Um, so a lot of Caron Gracie, Philippe de la Monica. So there was a lot of people that I, I wanted to train with that I did get the chance. Um, yeah. And then obviously once we come out of the lockdown and we get back to normal, then I'll be getting out there again and training with some more people. So well, the, uh, the, the belt system, I find it, I find it, um, it's very useful for me as a business tool, right? Because I can, I can sell privates and say privates with a Roger Gracie black belt, right? Um, yeah. But I kind of, I have this slightly love hate relationship because often people will get frustrated or quit because they feel like they've been overlooked for promotions or strikes or whatever or he got it before me or he got it after and like if i if i love playing football which i, I genuinely detest but if i did like playing football i wouldn't play out of football on a sunday because i wanted a black shirt one day i just do yeah. it because i liked it right yeah um, and you got this extra like layer of baggage on top and then also you know i'm in my mid-30s now and i can feel myself slowing down a little bit but it's more that i've got a balanced 
training and lifestyle. So I can't, I can't, there's some purple belts to train with that training twice a day, every day, like savages. And yeah. it's like, well, I'm expected to beat them because I wear a bit of black cloth around my waist, but like <laughs> the belt is just like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm never really sure how important the belt is. Then you see Khabib in a white belt messing up everyone. And there's lots of other guys like that. And, uh, yeah. I do. I'm very proud to wear my black belt, and I got the picture on the wall of me getting it from Roger Mauricio and Kevin. Um, but it is—it's a slightly frustrating thing as well. And there's people like yourself that, you know, you're—you're you're not really a blue belt, are you? <laughs> if you came visited my gym and you were a blue belt, I'd be like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> so you never really know. Like, what? I don't know. I, I, like, part of me thinks maybe if we just got rid of the belts and uh, it would simplify things, and people would just train because yeah. they liked it and stick yeah. around longer. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Well, I have seen that. I mean, people people come and go all the time. Um, because I'd say for, for exact reasons, like you said, I mean, people, maybe if, if he got, this guy got promoted to an extra tab, or extra belt, why did I not get mine? But, yeah. you know, I just, um, I'd say that I'm at a point, I, I kind of know how belts are given out for mm. various reasons. Okay, so they're maybe not given out just for um, how you are on the mats. It could be time served. It could be how you are in competitions. Uh, sometimes it could be a confidence boost. You're at that level. So let's give you the belt to give you a bit more confidence to then push on. So there's a whole load of reasons for getting belts. So I'd say for me, yeah, when I get the belt, um, I do get messages. I mean, a lot of people message me, uh, like, if you've not been promoted yet, how, how are you still a blue belt? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, some people are... Uh, uh, one of the guys, in fact, the uh, Hodger Gracie guy, Drew Sullivan. Um, oh, yeah. I fought Drew in a competition back in 2016. It was the British. Uh, we ended up in the final together, so we'd fought each other. I'm five feet four. Drew's definitely not five feet four. Um, so Drew, I think, is about, what, six, eight or something like that. So so we'd fought each other. It ended up two all. He'd won by an advantage. Um, and we became good friends. And then, obviously, Drew... We were both blue belts at that time. Drew's now a brown belt. Um, yeah, I'm still a blue belt. So, but do you know what? A belt's a belt, as you said. A belt is—it's only there to hold your gi closed. Um, yeah. uh, it will come off during the roll. Uh, so nobody. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. So <laughs> nobody will know exactly what belt you are. And people get intimidated as well. I mean, when you go into gyms and people look at like higher belts and get very, very intimidated and think, oh, I don't want to roll with him because yeah. he's a, a blue belt, a purple, brown, a black or whatever. Um, or the opposite. I, You know, I'm on holiday. I want to just jump in the local gym and get a few rounds in and say, meet, make friends. Yeah. And they're, they're, they've made a cue to murder me. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I had a couple of beers yesterday. <laughs> you know, I've been out of the sun all day. <laughs> Let's take it easy, guys. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. So, yeah, the belt, I'd say the belt. It's not a true reflection in a lot of cases of the level that you're at. So and I, I, I want to give advice to people as well from an instructor's perspective. Um, if you, you're, you're, uh, I feel like in jiu-jitsu there's this like weird, not everywhere, but slightly culty looking up to the top thing. Um, yeah. uh, and I, I, I kind of universally reject it. I don't like being called professor, right? I, I don't want any, like any, I just, I'm just, you I'm happy to be friends with everyone, but I'm just your friend and I'm happy to give you advice and I won't give you any life advice other than jujitsu, right? I'm not sitting under a waterfall meditating, right? I just messed up as much as everyone else. But um, 
the, the, you have to, I think the instructors have got this around the wrong way. And there's this weird thing where you're not supposed to ask your coach why you haven't had a belt or a stripe or whatever. But yep. I work for my students. If there's a re like if, if they feel they've been overlooked, they should come and I, I, I'm happy they come and talk to me and they'd be yep. like, well, do it. You can do it in a polite way. And I think I may have done, had the same conversation. I sat on my coach and went, okay, I feel like I'm a bit stagnant. What can I do to get better? And maybe yeah. they turn around and be like, I think you should compete. I, uh, you know, you're you're just relying on your A game. You're not opening yourself up. They give you some advice. Or just be redirect and be like, I feel like I should be work getting near my belt. Like, have you got any advice for me? Yeah. And then, because as instructors, often, if you've got a big school as well, like I kind of overlook three different schools, I can occasionally overlook a white belt that's going to a blue belt. And, I've, and I go, oh, you trained that long? Sorry, I didn't realize. I should have given you the belt. You're awesome. Like, and, yeah. and then it's just, but people are too polite to ask and it drives me mad i'm like no your instructor works for you you don't have to suck up to them right my i work for my students they don't work for me right yeah. i know yeah. i used to have karate teachers that were like oh you want your belt come and clean my car that's not my style right <laughs> um, <laughs> i wish it was my style my car's filthy but um yeah, yeah, yeah. like everyone out there that trains if you want a promotion just go uh, in life anything you want just go grab it by the balls right maybe you look stupid and get embarrassed but like just go for it yeah, no, I do agree with that. I mean, my, my coach as well, my coach always says, whenever he's in class and he gives out belts, and he, um, and he always say after it, he'll be like, well, anybody that, that that feels that they maybe should have got the belt or got a tab or whatever, just come and speak to me. And what we'll do is we'll discuss yeah. what you need to do to get it. Um, yeah. Because at the end of the day, I mean, every coach is going to have a certain certain things that you need to be able to do to get that belt. Um, yeah. and yeah, I mean, as in my coach is very similar to you, as he's very open, come and talk to me. Nobody does because, as I said, it's a bit of a, a subject <laughs> that nobody likes to talk about. So it drives me mad. I'm like, I'm your, I'm your coach. I'm here to help you get better. Like, coach, like yeah. I love it when my students come over and they ask me questions. Like, questions are good. I think as instructors, we like them, right? And then it's this the question is if it's a good question and it stumps you a little bit and you go, let me get back to you on that. And they're like, you know, can you teach me this? Yeah reverse you know barambolo entry from blah blah i'm like give me a week <laughs> i will yeah, teach yeah. you that but i'll come back to you on that but uh, yeah people are too nervous to ask their instructors i'm like you're giving that you're paying that man's mortgage you're paying him every month right he's got to give you a service and part of that is a little bit of one to go on coaching should be in there yeah. and um yeah i think sometimes the the approach of i think maybe this comes a little bit from brazil so i went to i went to rio some training and I noticed a lot of the gyms there, they would, and some of the UK guys are like this. They just, the instructor comes to the middle, teaches, goes sit on the side, plays on their phone, chats to their mate. Everyone looks bored, comes back, teaches another slightly random technique. And yeah. it's like, no, 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 as instructors, we have a job to do. We should be going around correcting everyone, giving everyone individual feedback, even if it's they're doing it great. And you just, I, I like to, when well, pre-COVID, physical contact, slap them on the back and go, you did that perfectly. That was ace, right? Yeah. So that I hope everyone in that class, every single lesson has had at least one piece of one-to-one -one interaction with me. Like maybe it's rolling or something cool, but it, at least just, uh, oh, put your hand there, like change that up. And, uh, and I think we need to, the jiu-jitsu community needs to be a bit more professional. I and mean, you're seeing it with some of the other gyms and like the rise of Danaher and those guys is because they don't train in the kind of traditional brazilian way they're like yeah. it's much more structured and sports science which is i think we need to all adopt a little bit yeah yeah let me ask you the big question then so flow grappling are doing a documentary at the moment 
um, American Jiu-Jitsu or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> I had the, right. my talking points. I had notes. I had that same conversation for you. All right, yeah, carry on, carry on. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, so I don't know if you've seen the documentary. Um, I think it's about 20 minutes long. Um, and basically, you've got a lot of American guys, American Jiu-Jitsu guys, who are now saying Keenan Cornelius is kind of leading the way mm-hmm. at the moment. Jake Shields talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're saying that it was Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but Americans have made it so much better. They've changed the game. Like your world champions, a lot of Americans. You've got, um, I mean, Rise of Gordon Ryan and things like that. Yeah. So should it still be called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Because at All the end right. of the day, and the way the Americans are saying is, Brazilians stole it from Japan. Yep. And now what's happening is Americans are taking it from Brazil. So I mean, in a way, what the Americans done is... It... <laughs> so, Eddie Bravo did this first. He's like, shit, we're losing. We just mm-hmm. we change the rules to suit us, right? <laughs> so, all these Brazilians, are going, like they're all just thrashing everyone in gi tournaments and continue to do. It's still like 90% Brazilian, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champions. Yeah. Uh, so, the Americans made a different sport, right? They made submission-only grappling or sub-wrestling or whatever it is. Um, and then they're the best at their sport, right? Which is why the UK, we should be best at football, but we're terrible. But, you know, that's a, that's a broader point. But, um, yeah, I think is like one of the cool things about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that I always liked was the fact that we had all these different rule sets. Even more, yeah. like, now we have sub only hill hooks and stuff. But when I first started, there was even more so. You'd have tournaments where you started back-to-back on the floor, or like judo style of rules. And then you'd have somewhere, you had a limited time on the floor, or you know you could and then combat jiu-jitsu and other stuff and um so you're gonna have these slight variations of style that go towards it but the whole thing of having this is brazilian jiu-jitsu makes no sense to me whatsoever because it's greek wrestling mixed with iranian wrestling which is russian wrestling which was mixed with russian leg locks mixed with loads of japanese submissions mixed with there's like catch wrestling from the uk somewhere right um mixed with loads of uh, a random German one and then the origins of all those are some weird Indian martial art and then kind of kung fu from that and and it's just got to the point now where I feel no single country can claim it let's just call it submission wrestling and be done yeah. with it and um so my my club my logo says fence some jiu-jitsu right so if you learn from me you learn my kind of style which is putting together everything I've learned um yeah. And I call it fence and jiu-jitsu. And I dropped the Brazilian thing because I'm not Brazilian. A large percentage of the stuff that doesn't teach is Brazilian. The Brazilian bit was the closed guard. That was their big innovation from what I can understand of history. And changing the rule sets give you a long time on the floor. right? Um, And a huge innovation. And like they've proven it with the UFC and so on. But we've we've evolved like beyond that. And you're not seeing a lot of closed guard anymore. You're not seeing a lot of Brazilian Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. We're just doing submission wrestling. And that's, yeah. and I think keeping it Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu might stilt the progress of it. Now, you're now seeing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, school, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu schools in America that don't allow you to compete because yeah. their Jiu-Jitsu is, is too important or self-defense-y or they don't waste time doing Baron Bolos. They do real Gracie Jiu-Jitsu or whatever it is. So yeah. let's just call it submission wrestling. And in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well, the Brazilian bit, like they were never picky about... I do karate where you have to know terminology. I have to know a shed load of Japanese words and we have to bow and do Japanese traditions. Yeah. Apart from in a tournament, people go, Kombache, 
There's no other Brazilian bit in it. What do you oh, like? People go like, oh, like some random Portuguese words thrown in. Um, and they shake everyone shakes hands like they do in Brazil when you walk in the room. But that's about it. Like, I can't see much of a point yeah. in being Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. But then the second you say that, people hate you. But then American Jiu Jitsu is just as stupid. <laughs> because it, the Americans stole everything from everyone else anyway. Submission. Yeah. I just want it to be called, you know, submission wrestling. Just yeah. we'll call it submission wrestling. Keep the belts if you want it. You can do gi. You can do no gi. You can do 10th planet. You can do it with slaps. You can do it as part of MMA. And it's all just submission wrestling. Yeah. I mean, they did. They did. I mean, there was a, a lot of Brazilians came out and said, no, no, they're very angry um, that it's some people are calling it American Jiu-Jitsu. And then there was obviously the Americans saying, well, we've added in different things like American wrestling and we've made it better. Some, uh, certainly the submission only side of things. Um, obviously Which is exactly what the Brazilians did to the Japanese and recorded Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yes. So, they can't really complain, can they? <laughs> yeah. And then you had other people like Rafael Lovato Jr. Uh, said, for him, it's just Jiu-Jitsu. It's not Brazilian. Yeah. It's not American. It's just Jiu-Jitsu. So, and then I he like was that. saying, well, yeah, I mean, he said that, why label it? Why label it one or the other? Why not just Jiu-Jitsu? That's what it is. When yeah. anybody asks you, what do you do? You do Jiu-Jitsu. Um, and then when they ask you more about, oh, what's Jiu-Jitsu? Then you can go into the terminology. Well, it was Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and, and so on and so on. So, so um, the Brazilian bit just makes it cooler, though, because you say Jiu-Jitsu, like people that know think you're fanning about in a with a samurai sword, you know, <laughs> like in a bow and yeah. arrow, pretending to be a samurai running into battle. But yeah. uh, you say Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to a martial artist, and especially if you can say you're a highish uh, a belt, you do get that kind of instant respect mm -hmm. for it. But yeah, let's just let's just drop the Brazilian at some point. Yeah. Oh, I'm probably going to get a horrible email from Mr. Gracie from that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, it was a great topic. I mean, as I said, when I, when I watched it, I mean, I uh, fell into the trap. I, I it was on full grappling, so I registered for full grappling, and full grappling, as a lot of people know, charged the full amount of money. So they charged Ooh. me 114 pound for. A twenty-minute documentary. I was like, "What? Fucking one hundred and fourteen pounds?" So that's yeah. a good documentary. It's got to be good. <laughs> yeah, listen, I got I got the money back. Uh, I got the money back so, minus one month. So talking about the rise of Danaher and the change of rule sets, what do you think of the inclusion of all these leg locks and people that are probably going to all be pretty banged up in a few years with sore knees? Yeah, I mean, what you talked about in IBJJF. What yeah, yeah. So doing? now, now no gi, IBJJF, you can do heel hooks. I don't think at Masters, which might mm. save me, but uh, yeah. no, nah, I like heel hooks, so I'll I, I just jump in the adults. But um, so what do you think of it? Do you know what? It's just an evolution of the game, is it? It's an evolution yep. of what we do. I mean, it, it, it happens all the time. There's a, there's a move and then everybody concentrates on one move. It could be one year that everybody's doing arm bars and the next year everybody's doing rear naked chokes. At the moment, it just seems to be heel hooks and foot, but no, feet stuff um yeah. so having it in i mean ibjjf are a bit behind the times not having it in because yeah as in and most other ones you can you've been able to do heel hooks and leg locks and stuff like that knee bars and so on so so ibjjf i think are just a bit behind the times um having it in yeah i mean as it's gonna yeah i mean as if the ibjjf when they start eventually doing competitions over here, whether it be London, the Euros or whatever, it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of people gonna get injured. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, but that that's the thing about your training. You know yourself, you, you're not just training to do the move. You're training to um, protect yourself against the move, so how to get out of it and things like that safely. And when um, you're done. When to tap, when to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd say that at the end of the day, it's about tapping. I mean, you, yep. I mean, don't don't fuck about with knee bars and heel hooks and stuff. I mean, as soon as it's on, I mean, once a heel hook's on, it's on, right? There's yep. only one thing's going to happen. And so tap, tap quickly uh, when it comes to that. So, um, but then that's the stubborn thing about a lot of jujitsu guys. I mean, we are quite stubborn, especially certain certain moves like arm bars. I mean, I've seen, and you've probably seen as well, somebody's had an arm bar on for far too long, and the yep. person on the bottom is not tapping, and you're like, ah, you should have tapped can, it, 10 minutes ago. Do you know what I mean? It was one of the things that put me off doing MMA anymore. I had a couple of my MMA fights where um, people essentially didn't tap, and I had to, to, to finish the submission, and it's... Um, that's not something I want to know. I don't want to know how it feels to break someone or someone's arm. I take no pleasure in it. Like yeah. kind of for me, and it, it, or maybe I'd realised I'm not really a fire either, <laughs> or like that kind of lapert fire because I can't. I can pull the trigger, but I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, but my my thoughts on heel hooks, I'm like, I never understood why. I understand at the first few bouts because you you want people to learn. Because I think everyone does that once or twice where you kind of let someone pull an arm too much or a Kimura or something and you don't yeah. break, but it's a bit sore for a few days. You get tennis elbow or something and you're like, ah, I'm being I'm being stupid. So yeah. I understand maybe from blue, purple, whatever it is. But to take, everyone will universally say a heel hook is the most devastating joint lock, which yeah. I agree with. Um, and then they go, oh, we'll take it out. It's too dangerous. If I boxed, People have died from being hit with straight rights, right? Or crosses in boxing. Um, and I spent years boxing. No one said you can't throw crosses because they could kill someone or they're really dangerous. They go, no, this is the whole point of this is to be able to hurt someone and be dangerous. That's the point of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is that if someone wants to take my property or hurt my family, I can permanently disable them, right? So <laughs> a heel hook is a fantastic way of doing that if I can train it in a way where I'm not hurting my training partners or getting hurt myself. So... To have this weird thing is, oh, we don't do that. It's too effective. I'm like, give me the most effective stuff. <laughs> no martial artist has ever complained that it's too effective. What a ridiculous yeah. thing to worry about, right? That's not yes. the goal. It's not to be safe. <laughs> it's to be able to mess someone up if you have to, right? Hopefully, it's a last resort, but if you have to. So I never understood why you couldn't do heel hooks. Um, and then when I got brown belt, it was just as kind of, uh, like five years ago, maybe, just as the leg locks had this big explosion but no one mm -hmm. could really teach you it <laughs> this was the issue yeah. i had so yeah. i got my brown belt all of a sudden everyone's leg locking me i didn't know it very well i knew a little bit from my mma days but nothing good enough to do anything yeah. so me being a crianche i went straight to the 10th planet gym down the road because you could roll and do heel hooks which they yeah. wouldn't let me do at my roger gracie club now they do let you in some of the classes but at the time they wouldn't let you do it at the roger gracie classes um so I went there so I could do heel hooks and I got the coach. So I'm gone there as a brown belt and I've got the purple belt instructor and be like, can you teach me heel hooks and like some leg locks and transitions and defense? And yeah, and then I got a little notepad out and just on my own time and drilling, I would spend two or three hours every week working leg lock escapes, entries, get Craig Jones DVD, study video. 
And I got to the point where now everyone's afraid of my leg locks, but I'm not, I still don't think I'm a leg locker. I'm just doesn't, don't want to get my legs broken. <laughs> That's my hesitation <laughs> about it. <laughs> I was so, I'm so scared of it that I wanted to get good at it. It seems sensible to me. You know, if, if you're an armbar expert, the chances of you getting armbar are pretty low. You're going to know all the setups. You're going to know everything. So I want yeah. you, everyone out there, if you're worried about leg locks, get good at leg locks. Right. And, yeah. and, and it's quite, it was quite an ego thing as well. Cause I'd, I'd have, I'd, get my like students my good blue belt students or something and i'd start them in like 50 50 or or like honey hole a really good leg lock position and Ooh. i'd be like finish me right tap me out and i'd try and yeah. work the escapes and all of a sudden my students that would probably never normally be able to tap me out they're catching me a lot because i'm doing Ooh. something i'm bad at yeah. but it, it's also that like ego control thing of going towards your weaknesses and getting good at that um but yeah, yeah, I'm I'm glad leg locks are in. Leg locks are awesome. Yeah. I like leg locks, <laughs> and it means I don't have to wrestle. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the it's one of the um, I'd say it's like I referee. I do referee in art competitions, so up in Scotland and things like that. So, um, and one of the, in fact, two of the moves that terrify me is a Kimura and an Americana. Okay, so yep. now the reason for that. I was doing the table one time and the referee was on and somebody got the guy in an Americana and the guy in the bottom wasn't tapping, wasn't tapping at all and ended up snap. As soon as it happened, you, he, that was it. He, and he didn't feel it. He didn't, he just, he kind of lay there and he's like, is the fight over? And you're like, mm, yeah, man, it's over. And he went away to the hospital, come back, he had spiral fracture in four different places. Oh. So, and again, anybody that doesn't know what a spiral fracture is, it's almost like a Chinese burn where you are twisting the bone one way and twisting the bone the other way. And as soon as it, What competition is this? This was a, a local comp. It was a Scottish grappling. Um, so it always makes me laugh like these people are like I will sacrifice my arm for this medal on a Sunday in a sports centre with eight people watching I'm like what are you doing <laughs> what was the prize money on the line what was the glory yeah, like? yeah I mean <laughs> just uh, nothing that was the first round it was the very first round <laughs> he still had uh, yeah maybe another couple of rounds to go um, and we were all what, sitting what, saying the same like what division was it white belt see I I Target safety wise, I think I would never referee, but I think for other people, I think referees in especially white belt divisions or smaller tournaments, they should yeah. be able to jump in and stop. Well, this was, yeah, I mean, this one when it happened, as I said, it, he, he was in control, he was in control, yeah. he, uh, so it was Americana, so he was in control, there was no danger. But what then happened was the person on top stepped his leg over their head. And as soon as he did that, there was more leverage. And as soon as that happened, bang, that's when the that's when it, it broke. Um, and, I mean, we said the same thing. I mean, the guy was from Jersey, so he had to fly home. But he couldn't fly home because, obviously, he fucking broke his arm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and then... And I For like him, a 199 medal. <laughs> yeah. and he, he went to the hospital and he came back. And, and the, to be fair, the guy was full of jokes because he came back and he's like, right, guys, I'm ready for the no-gi. And you're like, mate, you're not, you know what I mean? Like, you're lucky if you get out of Motherwell because you're you're not flying home. Um, and do you, do you remember that? Do you remember the MMA league back in the day? Do you remember this is one of the first things you could do? It was... Um, so they, I don't even know it, but they go to different gyms and these people yep. do smoker fights. So 
you'd be like, no medical. <laughs> and then you'd match up on the day, no headshots, but you'd try it three times in a day, an MMA fight, right? So you could knee the body and elbow the body, but you couldn't hit in the head. But other than that, it was full MMA rules, like one five minute round. Yeah. And they just go on the day, be like, you, you fight. And like, I used to, this is when I was in early 20s, I used to love it. Because um, Jiu Jitsu guys, you're about to smoke everyone. But, um, <laughs> and, it got shut down because they had this young kid and he's he's all right he's on the bottom and he gets caught in a guillotine right and the re- the referee's just some guy having a go right first time ever doing it he gets choked out out ref doesn't know he's out the guy doesn't the person attacking him doesn't really realize he's out let's go with the guillotine grabs his arm just snaps his arm <laughs> was like, so this poor kid's woken up to just his arm being snapped and he's unconscious and it's like and yeah, yeah i think it is this like 17 year old's dad sued and the whole show got shut down but uh yeah yeah, yeah. madness like uh I, I don't know why you referee that's a, i've done it once and it was the most yeah. miserable experience in my life i got i did it it was like last minute this like charity uh a grappling show thing Ooh. was good and uh ashley williams was the main event um yeah. and the guy running it was like, Chris, the referee's pulled out. It's sub only. All you got to do is stand there. And I was like, oh, no, I hate referee. And he's like, please, it's for charity, please. And I'm like, I'm like, what's the rest of the card? He's like, everyone else is like below you, like belt wise. It's only Ashley in the main event. And those guys know what they're doing. So you'll be fine. And I was like, oh, it's sorry. If it's blue belts, I can just like pull the card and be like, no, I'm right. I'm a black belt, even though I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I get there. And then. Because they're all pretty good. They're very good blue and purple belts, whatever. They've got, yeah. like, Daniel Strauss in their corner, Roger Gracie, Mauricio Gomez, shouting at me. They're like, Ref, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, definitely, it's good. I mean, I don't, don't get me wrong. It, it can be, I mean, anybody that goes to a jiu-jitsu event, I mean, if you see 100 fights in a day, Less than ten of them are going to be great fights. Um, yeah, very, very unusual that you'll get a hundred fights and you'll have a hundred great fights. So, as a referee, you're watching. You're like right there watching. Yeah, everybody else is watching, thinking this is boring as fuck, man. Especially, <laughs> I mean, people getting a fifty-fifty card for six minutes. I know. Mean, you got you got to concentrate. Man. You look around. You get an instant bollocking. So you're like, yeah, <laughs> gotta so, be on it. Oh, so, I don't. The problem with that is. I do a lot of commentating on MMA shows and uh, yeah. you'll see when when people lose fights and I've probably done the same thing like it's like it's a threat to your identity or manhood or something so there's this instant reflection to try and find an excuse and I think yeah. that's okay everyone does it and then usually after a little while you get to come to terms with it then you'll be like oh no I made a mistake in you so the first thing you're going to blame is the referee, right? Oh, he stopped it too early. Oh, he stopped it too late. Oh, he did yeah. this wrong, that wrong. Something happened. And then if the referee does a great job, everyone just ignores him. <laughs> they're like, go away. No one cares about you. You're only interesting yeah. when you mess up. So I was like, I don't want to be a referee. That's yeah. uh, I'm, that's what a horrible job to do. <laughs> nah, we do. Maybe we enjoy it. I mean, it's, uh, as, a, as a referee, I mean, it's, it's good. I mean, especially, I mean, white belts, I mean, even when they put their post up later on in the day, they've won a medal and they're like, oh, I want to thank my coach, I want to thank the referee, and you're like, wow, I'm getting thanks as well. Uh, only when they win, they don't want to thank you. Only when they win. So, <laughs> and then, 
we've got one there, Rodri Williams, Tapperson. Oh, hi, Rod, one of my students from Time. Yep. Um, so obviously Tapperson, that's that. I mean, that's something that you learned as a you're taught as a white belt. I mean, all the way up to black belts and beyond. Um, tap or snap. I mean, if you, yeah, I mean, if you break an arm or break a leg, knee pops or whatever, I mean, you're out for. Yep. six weeks minimum minimum i mean if it's a knee if it's a heel hook i mean you're out for months during that's uh i made, one of them things you don't you don't fuck about with it i made this mistake about three weeks before i was due to fly out to rio to train i'm uh i'm training in class and uh i think i'm a purple or brown belt and the guy on top is one of my students but he's a uh, like a belt lower than me but he's really good he's really really good he's now He's won loads of stuff since then. I'm not going to yeah. say his name. but um, So he's starting in mount. And the thing about you starting in a dominant position, it really doesn't matter if you tap because you were already given the position. But a little bit in my head of ego and, you know, I don't want to tap to this guy in particular. And he yeah. caught me in a Americana. I didn't tap. And then it didn't break, but it popped my elbow in and out. It got like a dislocation. Yeah. So three weeks later, I'm in Brazil in a sling <laughs> in Rio, in the capital of jiu-jitsu. And I got to roll every round asking him, I learned how to say in Portuguese, can you roll with one arm, please? And I would just tuck my arm in my gi and then just try and roll with one arm. And 90% of people there were really nice about it. But I, yeah. I so learned my lesson. I tap so fast now. I'm such a, people take the mick out of me. I'm like, I got four kids. It's way more important that I can pick them up and put them in bed yeah, than it is good. that I survived this like submission in the gym. Like, who cares? I really don't care anymore if I get submitted. It's just, uh, well, depends who it is. But most of the time, I don't care who it is. I don't get if I get submitted. And it, I think it's good as well to start do bad position training because it kind of frees you to not yeah. have the ego and everything tied into it. So, like, if someone wanted to learn leg locks, like, start in a really bad leg lock position and work your escapes because yeah. then you can tap really fast anyway because who cares because you let them start there like it doesn't they didn't really win so yeah yeah definitely definitely but you know yeah right i mean as i said it's uh it's one of them things i'd say i was taught very first day that i came into the class and i remember that was the first thing the the coach said to me look um tap or snap um and everybody else in the class said the same thing as the first few lessons i didn't understand what they were talking about and then obviously yeah yeah i realized very quickly um why you tap quick um it drives me mad when my my younger students like teenagers always do this they're practicing they're getting armbarred or whatever and then they go i'm like tap and they're like no i can't feel it i'm like you're (laughs) waiting for it to hurt like it makes no i'm like you can well, you, you need to tap because of yeah. your knowledge of the position. You don't need yeah. to tap because of the sensation of the position. And leg locks especially because, yeah, the do you know what an Ioki lock is? You kind of slip the heel out a little bit. So it's kind of like a straight foot lock, but you put more angle on the foot. And yeah. um, I was in a class. Uh, so I work for Globetrotters as well. I teach on some of the camps. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the class. I'm just joining in. One of the, uh, Alexander Nufang is an amazing leg locker and he's teaching this advanced leg locks class. And he's teaching this Ioki lock on this Polish dude and he's doing it. And the guy's like, I feel nothing. He's doing it. I feel nothing. Do you do it? I feel nothing. And then snap. And he's like, ah! I'm like, he couldn't have done it like 
if I were a more control, I would have tapped so far early. I would have never waited for it to hurt. What am I, I can yeah. look at my leg and be like, that's not right. <laughs> that is not pretty. You know, you know, you see some picture from some horrendous car accident, someone's legs the other way, and you're like, no, nah, that's not, that's disgusting. Just the look of it, right? I can do yeah. that with my own body. I'm like, that doesn't look pretty. I'm just going to tap to that, even without feeling it. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Um, now, for you then, Chris, I mean, obviously, you've got an extensive. As I said earlier, extensive martial arts experience. I mean, black belt karate. everything. Yeah, black belt karate. Obviously, did MMA as well. Um, battle arena, middleweight champion. Um, obviously, jujitsu black belt as well. So, in regards to jujitsu, then, so what? What made you come over to jujitsu? What What attracted you to jujitsu? <laughs> so I was, um, I was, I really fell in love with karate. Uh, like my first class, I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life from a yeah. living. I was like, I, I kind of straight away. And it's funny prior to that, I grew up in a house where we didn't really, there was no fighting. My dad wasn't a fighting fan. Um, it was, it was not at all done. And I went to a martial arts class, just looking for some exercise really. And, um, fell in love with it. And I was training within no time. I was training six days a week, but, yeah. um, uh, this guy came in one day and he was, I think fighting on MMA League or, or one of these small MMA shows, he's a really good karate guy, like Team GB, but he was also a little bit into MMA. But this is, I hadn't seen the UFC. I'd seen Pride because it was on my parents' Sky TV box sometime. Um, so I was kind of aware of that. And uh, But I was pretty good at karate. So at the end of the, he was like teaching like a seminar or whatever. At the end of it, I was like, can I spar with you? Like, I didn't really realize how rude it was at the time. I'm like 19 or 18 that, you know, I'm yeah. calling Matt in front of all these people in my head. I was just like, Oh, he's really good. I want to know what it's like to spar with someone that good. Um, so I'm, he's like, okay. So he double legs me onto wooden floor, chokes me unconscious. I didn't know you're supposed to tap. Who knows? Right. I come around and I'm like, again, <laughs> right? so then I'm worried he's going to grab my legs or do something. And he wheel kicks me in the face and cracks the bone in my face, my cheekbone had a crack down it, right? Yeah. So uh, I'm like, maybe I'm not as tough as I thought. Because <laughs> I, I had this theory that watching Pride, that if I was in that ring, I'd just kick him in the head. Why is everyone yeah. grappling? I'd just kick him in the head and be fine. So I was like, oh, I need to, I need to learn a little bit of grappling so I can get back to karate so that someone Ooh. can't just take me down. So I found a local kickboxing club that had MMA like once a week. They brought in these judo guys that would teach all the kickboxers um some groundwork so i went there but for whatever reason i'm not the most i'm i think people say i'm not athletic they're always kind of overselling it i'm like i'm medium athletic right and a lot of the kickboxing guys are very athletic right like on their feet and head kicks and, yeah and stuff so but i'm 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 quite uh strategic so one of the things that in like karate i'll watch people spar and i'll figure out I go, okay, he drops his left, but he throws his right. And he always does this combination, moves to this side. And I can beat someone that's stronger and faster because I got the strategy. Yeah. But as you know, the strategy is way more useful in jiu-jitsu, right, <laughs> than the striking arts. Um, so I found that jiu-jitsu, the grappling stuff, I'd be able to, I'd be pretty, well, let's be arrogant. I'd be the best guy in the grappling class. And so-so in the striking class. So it was making me fall in love with grappling because I was having success with it in the class. And we we'd, yeah. we had a little cage and Friday nights we'd do like little mini fight nights and we'd all try and knock each other out the old school sparring way that no one does anymore. Um, and I was quite successful. And I was like, I'm probably, after a year, year and a half of this, I was like, I'm probably 
So I was doing MMA league and other stuff. And I was like, I'm probably like a jiu-jitsu black belt, right? Never yeah. been with anyone that could do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. <laughs> so I rock up. I'm like, I'm going to go do Brazilian jiu-jitsu a little bit, yeah. right? So I can put the gi on. That'd be cool. Yeah. So I go to Braulio, <laughs> right? So I turn up for an afternoon class. Um, and there's Norbert, who's like now black belt champion of yeah, everything. Yeah. Braulio, yeah. who's black belt. He'd just come back from ADCC. There's Victor... A steamer there right and like a couple of other purple belts and i was like gonna smoke these dudes <laughs> right <laughs> so optimistic probably and, not uh, the best room to be walking into with that no <laughs> and uh so they, they're teaching a bit and they go right we're gonna do some specific we're gonna start side control so they go you go on top of him so it's me on top of victor gracie uh victor esteemer so i put victor in like a uh a, a head and arm hold like a judo pin right um which is terrible in brazilian jiu-jitsu because they get your back eventually right it's only really works if you can pin someone yeah. and he's being nice to me he goes oh you don't really want to do that and i turned around to victor esteema and i went i know what i'm doing <laughs> <laughs> and then 12 seconds later maybe realized i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> and then it was like it was one of those experiences where i was sat in the changing room after being like oh my god like i can't believe because most people have that first grappling class where they go oh the level oh people smash you but like yeah it took me like a year and a half to get to that point where i was like oh i thought i was good and then i was having you know, amateur mma fights and i was with mma clubs i could hold my own but yeah. That's because no one was really doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. This is 10, 11, 12 years ago. So, uh, yeah, it was a completely shocking experience. But then from there, I fell in love with um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, and then from that, I started doing MMA and having a lot of success with using Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, lots of submissions. It much, it really suits me because I've done striking martial arts my whole life. I've never knocked out anyone, right? <laughs> but I've tapped out a lot of people. So yeah. I was, I'd go into MMA fights and my, I, had a, I have a really good boxing coach. He's um, worked with like the GB team and he'd spend weeks working boxing combinations with me. And, and he used to get so frustrated. I'm like, you know, this is plan B, right? You know, this is plan B. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd be like try it move around down on your feet i'm like maybe <laughs> but if i can get to the floor i think my success rate is going to be so much higher so yeah that, that, that that's a basically that was my journey uh into it and then from there yeah teaching and having my own school and stuff it's cool life that first day when you went to braulios did you know who these people were did so, you know who braulio and victor norbert and so on were someone told me that braulio was really good that's all i knew and yeah. um yeah that was it but it was i think there was a couple of blue belts there as well and the, like it was more shocking that they smashed me because <laughs> yeah, yeah Braulio yeah. is a big strong like victor and Braulio norbert and like they look like they're gonna beat you up as well they're like not in a nice way they look the great looking men but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they look tough it was the little weedy accountant blue belt that fucked me up there was like really <laughs> i've dedicated my life to this and i still get smashed but then it still feels the same i can i can go ro roll with roger now and i still get smashed and like yeah like yeah. It, it, you you still get that sense unless you're roger gracie you're gonna or even him right i'm sure there's people i'm sure he went and rolled with gordon ryan or someone he's gonna feel some pressure even if he doesn't lose but uh yeah, yeah. you never get over that there's always someone it's humbling it's that that's what they always say it's humbling i mean you can i mean i mean my biggest thing was um that i've done so far i went to the the ibjjf british and i won it 
Um, hey, I remember, very good. Yeah, well, listen, I remember coming back to the gym on the Monday and be like, ah, yeah, because always, this was always a thing. You would always come in wearing the medal. That you oh, I love it. On the Monday, you come strolling into the gym and you'd be in the changing room and you'd be like, ah, yeah, British champion. Uh, and then you would go to the mat and you would get absolutely smashed. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be like, oh, right, okay. <laughs> and then some coaches and all that would be whispering as they're rolling with you like so, Stuart, if I beat you, am I British champion? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Take the medal. <laughs> so. it, those promotion days as well. You know, there's seminars where the new belts and stuff never roll at those because you'll get your brand new purple belt and then get smoked by a white belt straight away. It's guaranteed because <laughs> you got all this. You're excited. You're, I want to try it out. And then you're just going to get smashed. Like, give it a couple yeah. of days and then come back and roll in a normal class. Yeah, Are you one of those dudes that wore the medal in the service station on the way home? Yeah. Oh no! It depends on what the medal was. I mean, the British, the British was obviously a big one, so I wore that one. But like local medals, local competitions, I wouldn't. Any time I won an IBJJF medal, I, I I wore that proud because obviously IBJJF for for me anyway and a lot of people that's the pinnacle. That's the yeah, one. Yeah. That nah, you want you. to win, so so anytime I won an IBJJF medal, I would even sit in the house and I'd be on the couch wearing the medal. And be like, <laughs> my wife would make me a tea, and she'd be like, "No," and you'd be like, "I'm British champion." So, <laughs> you know I mean? so it doesn't work. Your missus will will uh, not be impressed very long. I had the same. Uh, I live in this uh, tiny little market town in Oxfordshire called Tame, and it's uh it's this really like. When I say I live there, I teach there because everyone's rich. I live down the road, but um, <laughs> so. Uh, I said, it's, the only supermarket is a Waitrose. This is how posh this place is. Okay, so I said, okay. I was fighting on Battle Arena for the big gold belt. And I said, if I win it, I'm going to walk around. I'm going to come back to tape. I'm going to just going to strut around Waitrose with my uh, with my cage fighting belt on. But, uh, I bottled it. I didn't do it in the end. Maybe I'll do it one day. But. No, definitely. I mean, as I said, medal, medal, only, depending on the medal, as I said, uh, depending on the medal. But yeah, as I said, I'll wear it for a few days. Um I'll even go into work with it on. I'll go into work with it on. Like that, sitting at, We're sitting very different head. people, you and I. I like that goes straight in a cardboard box in the cupboard when I do. I like your style, though. That's good. <laughs> and then taking us on to Battle Arena. I mean, Battle Arena, you, um, obviously, you are commentator, as you mentioned yep. earlier. So, the winning the Battle Arena middleweight champion. So, did you, at that point, were you working for Battle Arena or did that come after? The no, it, it was um, so. Yeah, I, I didn't really deserve the title shot. <laughs> I, I wasn't the, the 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 champ was eight and zero, I think, at the time, and um, they were looking out, looking around for who could challenge this guy. who's really good, and um, and I'd only had I'd done like loads of the the no headshotsy fights. I'd had a couple of boxing fights. I won a load of jiu-jitsu tournaments, like Purple Belt, British, and stuff like that, like pretty big ones. Um, yeah. And I'd had uh, two uh, MMA fights. So I wasn't really in a position to challenge the title, but I, I spoke to my coach and I spoke to the promoter, James Price, and I was like, look, I've watched videos of the guy, and I know I've got a really good shot of beating him. Right? And I was like, I know I don't really deserve the title shot. I haven't even fought on that show yet. And I was like, yeah. but... but I think I can do this. And my coach then, who's very well respected, he went and vouched for me and went, look, this guy's good. He's got a shot. And, and my, my uh, Conor McGregor confidence was, I'll probably lose, 
but <laughs> it'll be really good experience. <laughs> so I, I was like, if I lose, like, uh, if I, if I lose, I was the main event on an MMA show. I did the walkout and I fought for a British title. So I was like, even lose, like that's that's a good thing to go forward because I was already thinking about becoming a teacher and and that was my kind of long term goal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I had the fight and and. Uh, I did pretty well and I won and I got a submission at the end. I showed jujitsu working, got a really uh, nice armbar. And, um, and then from there I had a little bit of time off and it was offered to defend the belt, which I had no interest in. And I was like, why would I win a medal? I've already won. That was my jiu-jitsu approach. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but then you'll still be champion. I was like, I'm all right with former. It's just a word. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then in my head, I had like, because I'd fought someone that wasn't a great grappler, and it was kind of stylistically very good for me. And then if you only have one fight that's kind of main event on a big show, I was like, I always had this in the back of my head that maybe I fluked it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, and it went well. And I was like, I feel like I got something to prove to myself. And they, the next way up, the light heavyweight, um, they, they had another champion and he was eight or nine and oh, and he all first round KOs, ground and pound. Um, the picture of me and him at the weigh-in is hilarious because he's he's built like a Greek god and I look like an accountant, which is very embarrassing. But um, <laughs> and he's got a mohawk, a face tattoos. He's got like three hundred people steering for him. I got my misters and I look a bit afraid. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, so I fight him and he hits me so hard. I've never been hit that hard in my life. Uh, and then I'm, I'm throwing up submissions off my back and I caught an armbar and popped his arm and he popped it back in and then punched me with it. Uh, and I got a foot lock, which I felt cracking and popping, and he just didn't even flinch. Um, and then at the end, I managed to catch him in a triangle, and I won. And then the same thing, James, the promoters come back to me and said, right, you got to defend the bout. And I was like, no, I'm done. <laughs> just to be a really reliable champion. That's the thing. And um, and he, I know that he was thinking about using trying different commentators for the show. The ones they had weren't great. They were good, but they weren't great. And I'd done a few podcasts and things, and I was like, look, I teach classes. I do a lot of public speaking. I teach seminars. I'm comfortable talking. I was like, can you just let me try it? And I was like, let me have a go. I think I was terrible in the first one, but I was clearly good enough to get the job. And then I was like, look, I don't want to fight anymore. I just want to do the commentary. I love being part of it without getting brain damaged, <laughs> which yeah. uh, I think is the smart man's move. Yeah. But yeah, so and but now I've been replaced. I'm I've just I've just been fired, which is great news. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's been sending me condolences, but uh, yeah. I haven't really been fired. We're, so ballerina. I did really smart thing, right? I became champion when the show was really small and the level was pretty low. Yep. <laughs> so now it's really gone places. We've had UFC fighters, Bellator fighters, Cage Warriors champions coming through the show and it's established itself as like Europe's, especially on the amateur scene, Europe's biggest show, which yep. means they're getting all this interest and they're selling TV rights. Um, so they want to have a full TV production with Sky TV. And uh, so thankfully I've been promoted. So I'm going to be like tv presenter essentially so i won't be able to do the commentary anymore which is a real shame because i absolutely love being a commentator but um i think sometimes you've got to take the opportunity and risk losing something to get something else so we'll see how it goes did i did i answer your question i've waffled on way too yes. much no, sorry. No, no, definitely definitely <laughs> i mean and then obviously taking us on to obviously you got promoted so ballerina looking for two new commentators uh, oh you're gonna do it come on stoom boy nah nah don't me but uh, listen peter knox <laughs> peter knox who is the yeah, MMA yeah. UK guy tells me all the time that jiu-jitsu guys shouldn't be talking about MMA. <laughs> so, oh, 
so uh, he always gives me a hard time. Whatever. Why? Whatever why? What's his, what's his opinion on that? Why? Well, he just he he thinks that uh, jujitsu has no place in MMA. He's a striker. He's a stand-up striker type guy. So he gives me a hard time. Obviously, he doesn't believe that, but because I'm a jujitsu guy, I get a hard time all the you, time. If you were coming into MMA as a world champion in something, Thai boxing, boxing, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, judo, something, right? What do you, would you honestly want to go in as a Brazilian jiu-jitsu world champion? I don't think that's a great base. Yeah, yeah. And, not, and, and although you have to be super athletic to be a Brazilian jiu-jitsu world champion, you probably don't have to be as athletic as a wrestling world champion or a judo world champion, or it's a yeah. different kind of athleticism. Like I'm saying, in a way, I a little bit agree with him. I think the MMA has got to this point where if that was your your uh, special move, it's maybe it's not the best one anymore. But if yeah. you don't have it at all, you're going to get tapped out. <laughs> so you, you've at least got to have it covered. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So you guys have got the the competition. Two new commentators. Um, yep. And I'm just having a look at this here. Uh, so obviously the competition search for two new commentators, UK commentators. So uh, you think you've got what it takes to flow on the mic when the fights are in full effect which can be a hard thing to do i mean you know yourself it can be <laughs> difficult to do we talked a bit about bias earlier on towards yeah it's and very hard to and and because the uk mma scene and, and like martial arts scene is it's a very it's actually quite a small fraternity you see the same yeah. people and you're gonna end up commentating on the same fighters over and over again and like you literally you know and and then your friends will and fighters and people you know will come and call you out if they're not happy with you. They'll let you know. And you, you know, <laughs> this is cage fighters you're upsetting, so you got to like <laughs> you got to have a deep think about it. And yes. um, the thing about ballerina specifically, it's quite a different challenge. I realized that my first show, I came on and I, I was a terrible. This is my advice for anyone that's going to do the competition. I was a terrible Joe Rogan impersonator, and that is not what you should do for this show because it's a very different show. Um, yeah. The average UFC fan has paid for the pay-per-view. They've got ESPN. They they understand the sport to some degree, right? Yeah. So if I was commentating and you were listing, it'd be so easy. I'd be like, oh, it's got half guard, it's got an underhook. Boom, you know what I'm saying, right? But yeah. for, for a, a show where most of the fights are amateur, most of the people watching aren't MMA fans. They're fans of those people, right? It's Dave's work colleague and like, you know his old school friends and whatever else. So yeah. you have to... You can be in a situation of like one guy's on top half guard, the other guy's on the bottom. Now to the layman, that guy's laying on him. Why doesn't he get up? Right. Yeah. And Joe yeah. Rogan can go, oh, he's stuck. Wow. This is huge. Blackovich is a beast. Rah, rah. On ballerina, what we've got to do is explain, ah, what the guy on the bottom needs to do is get his right arm through to an underhook. Can you see he's trying to do that now? And that will mean he can get on his side and be able to get back to his feet. And what the guy on the bottom is trying to do is stop him doing that. And that's why he's not actually hitting him very hard. And it's a bit yeah. like when you watch the Olympics, you can watch diving or something you know nothing about. And the, the, the commentator will explain the narrative and you can follow along and really enjoy a sport you don't know anything about. And that's what we need for someone doing battle arena. It's not just enough to be an MMA fan or be able to be on a mic and be comfortable. You've got to be able to explain what's happening in front of you and throw in the occasional excitement and and that's funny thing or whatever else as well. Or perving on the ring girls, whatever works for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the competition is up to entries need to be in by the 31st of March, the end of March. 
Um, you're going to announce the winners a week later. So basically what the competition is, is you're going to, I believe you guys are going to send a video, fight video over to... Yep, so we're going to send you... We're going to send you a video with no audio track. You're going to record your audio over the top. And then me and Steve Brinkman, my fellow commentator, has also been promoted to a TV presenter. We're going to listen to it with the promoter and uh, whoever does the best. You've got the job. It's a paid for job. It's a cool job, man. Like It's uh, it's led me to other things and opportunities as well and, and doing podcasts like this. So like, uh, if anyone's ever fancied it, just put yourself out there and have a go. Like the worst that happens is you'll crap at it and you could try again, right? My advice would be, and this is going to make you sound mental, right? But don't just jump straight in and think you're going to be great. Listen to a few different shows. Uh, like the UFC's got five, six different commentators now. You can rewatch some events of cool fights, and then also watch events of boring fights, right? So that you can fill, you can understand like on what to add in, and then for the people that are going to do it, prep, right? So. On Battlerine, it's quite easy. I can watch the guy's previous fights and talk about those. I can talk about their record. If we have someone who's a debut, what I'll often do is go chat to them and be like, what do you do for a living? They'll be like, oh, I'm a paramedic. And the guy will be fighting. I'll be like, do you know he's a paramedic? He's saving people by day and smashing them by night. Isn't that interesting? Like, <laughs> He's going to be the first one to give this guy medical attention. And like, you can make it so much more interesting. So don't just jump in and be like, I know fighting, so I'm going to be good at this. Like, Actually yeah. practice, make some notes, and uh, your success rate will go up a little bit yeah because you can be the best fighter in the world but absolutely terrible on the mic um, <laughs> or vice versa you can be not the best fight in the world yet be absolutely fantastic on the mic so um, the worst one is announcers when you have a bad announcer oh so <laughs> ballerina tried this guy out in oh i don't want to ah, we'll call him out oxford i think it was the oxford show and the guy turned up and he he looks the part he's got like a dicky bow tie on this cool jacket and he looks cool right and uh <laughs> He's like, in the red corner, here's Bob. I'm like, how can you? You got this is a cage fight. Like the yeah. excitement, you gotta like. So I, I've done a little bit of announcing and I scream until I lose my voice. By the main event, I'm like, ah! <laughs> like, I get so into it. And then like I, I understand. It's that you all of a sudden you're stood in front of two thousand people and you're you're self-conscious. Yeah. I, I had one at Birmingham where you're announcing and it's it, this was on TV and um and the cameras aren't showing the crowd. So no one on TV, they don't know that the crowd's empty because it's a prelim or whatever. So yeah. I'm, in the, I'm in the cage and I go, this is Ballerina 49 brought to you by NetaVision and made for fighters fightwear and blah, blah. And I just heard this brummy accent in the background going, nobody cares, love. <laughs> <laughs> I started laughing. I was like, I know. <laughs> it's like, what can you do? I will by one person of the crowd. <laughs> And it's an exciting time to get involved <laughs> in Battlerina because obviously you guys are doing the Birmingham show. So this yep. is the, we've obviously top level pro card. Um, as I said, uh, and I believe, is this the, the first pro card you guys are doing? Or yeah. So what we've done before is we've had uh, amateur cards with uh, three or four pro fights as our main events or the main card on an amateur card. This is going to be an all pro card. Mm -hmm. Um I think Battlerina, it's just really established itself as the, the kind of premier thing. And the reason it has, obviously, I, I, I'm, I'm very biased, um, but the reason it has is because they look after fighters. So when I was yeah. fighting, the first few shows I fought on, there was no medic. The red corner was the car park, right? Mm -hmm. the, the referee was a guy that was just having a go. Uh, like, you hand wrapping, you're like, okay, if you want. like. So what Ballerina do, 
we, they have a professional hand wrapping crew. So you don't have to, if you're a coach, you're not very good at wrapping hands, which some aren't. You can go to these professional hand wrappers. They do it for you. They have a cage side uh, ambulance, two paramedics and a any doctor sat there waiting. Right. They have the ISKA officials. So these are the same guys that do like glory and the huge shows. They're doing the amateur fights on the ballerina card. Yes. Um, and then you have a full uh, backup team as well. You have professional uh, judges. So even cool. though you're fighting on amateur card, you have judges that are not biased. They've got no connection to anyone. Um, and you have professional matchmaking as well. So you have you have fair matchups. And that's why it's established itself. You know, it's not like Ballerina does amazing marketing or anything else compared to these other shows out there. It's because they look after the gyms, they look after the fighters, and yeah. they, they they do their best. And that's where they put their money. They've always they've always put the money that the profits they've been making back into the show, back into helping the fighters. And like I can't I'm there and I've I've been at some of the pro pro shows and I'm thinking you know, this small little amateur show in Kettering has got twice the production value than these huge shows. And that's why it's going places. And that's why we're going to be able to sell out a full pro card. And we're going to, you know, they've got this TV deal coming as well. Um, and I, I, I think Cage Warriors is great, but I think it's a little bit limited by being on Fight Pass, the amount of exposure they can get. Yeah. Um, so they're going to struggle to get new fans. Whereas Ballerina, I think, could end up being the UK's biggest show. And why not? Like they've got the best, they do the best of everything. So I can't see, apart from commentators, because the new guys are going to be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, man. You can find a UK's version of Joe Rogan um, and Daniel Cormier come in. Uh, no, could you be? It'd be so bad if they were so much better than me. That would be really upset. <laughs> I might pick someone terrible. Like get on to put your audition in. Don't be too good. <laughs> It's definitely, definitely an exciting time to get involved with uh, Battlerina. As I said, uh, obviously, you guys have got a lot of things coming up, a lot of good things coming up. So, um, so yeah, I'd say to, to get involved, I'd say you can go into the MMA Battlerina on Facebook. Um, yeah, send them a message. Or, and also, if you're a gym or a fighter looking for somewhere to fight where you're going to be looked after, uh, yeah. get in contact to, to Ballerina through any of the social medias, really. They, we'll get back to you. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's such a good jumping-off platform for the huge shows as well. Like I said, Leon Edwards, Fabian Edwards, like some of the top, top guys in the world now have come through Ballerina. And because it's professionally filmed for Sky TV and whatever else, but even before that, we do professional filming to put on YouTube. Mm -hmm. If you get huge knockout, that you can make a great highlight reel. And then you, yeah. you can you can have this amazing reel of great production value and take it to these big shows and they can chuck it straight on a VT and, and have you up there, you know, getting big fights straight away. So it's the place to be. And uh, yeah, so if you're a fighter, a gym, or you want to have a go at commentating, get on Battle Arena through Facebook, it's probably the best way, and send us a message, and uh, I'm sure we'll be happy to have you. But saying that, there's a lot of people desperate to fight at the moment. There's so many fighters frustrated. Uh, I think we could sell three, we could fill three cards over at the moment, but... Uh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, I know you, uh, or James Price, he put the thing up the other yep. day, uh, uh, talking about, obviously, you were looking to match up pros at different weight levels, 120, 93, 84, 70s, 66s. So, um, so yeah, I mean, as they definitely get in contact with James, uh, get in contact with Bat Arena, or even if you've got Chris on Facebook, just drop Chris. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll email, help you out, no problem. So, um, and Chris will certainly go and give you the information that you need. So, so Battler, now obviously keep an eye out for that. It's going to be very, very exciting uh, over the next couple of months. Um, and then for you, I mean, what about you going back to competing? 
Um, oh, <laughs> I know you. I know you've obviously you you've had success um, coming through, whether it be through MMA, whether it be through because obviously you competed in judo as well. I saw that you, yeah. you had some judo competing, um, karate. I'm terrible at judo. I don't want anyone getting any false impression that I can ever take anyone. I think I, I used to have like the document on my computer and I put in all my scores from jiu-jitsu competition. Like Blue Bat was competing every other weekend. Yeah. And uh, in my whole jiu-jitsu career, several hundred competitive jiu-jitsu matches, I've scored one takedown. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very proud of that one takedown. I was two points down with 10 seconds to go. And I still got a footlock instead. <laughs> So yeah, uh, judo might be oversaturated. I mean, if I can enter a judo tournament, fall mm -hmm. over in a way where they don't get a full lip on, and then choke them, yeah, that's that's my level of judo. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, in the future. So um, yeah, I, I work with uh, Globe Trotters. So if anyone's interested in uh, doing uh, a jiu-jitsu camp, they do them all over the world. So this guy called Christian Graughart, he wrote a jiu-jitsu Globe Trotter book. Um, I did, luckily enough, I got the chance to work with him. Uh, just in the tiny gap last year where we could go and do stuff. And I taught uh, on the Austria camp and hopefully yep. I'll be teaching on one of the European camps uh, this year. Um, that's amazing. So you get to train three times a day in a really cool environment. And, and it's kind of the kind of training where if you don't want to train three times a day, you can sit in the sun instead in a hammock as well, like whatever works yep. for you. Uh, yeah. Get back to teaching uh, and then doing the TV stuff with Battlerina. And I'm also working with this other website making a load of videos um i don't know if it's been named yet but i'll be promoting it soon but it's basically a uh it's a portal is that the right word i think that's the business word um Ooh. for videos all made by jiu-jitsu instructors for other jiu-jitsu instructors so some of them are like how to get new students some of them are so i just made one yesterday it was a hundred like kids fun kids games to do in your kids classes loads of different yeah. drill games um and then there's loads of stuff on there's like how to make good instructional videos how to and it's it's like it's kind of through the globetrotters network but it's all these instructors putting great Ooh. content and yeah. i think the idea is that you're going to pay a fee like a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars and you get lifetime access to it and Ooh. then the way it'll work as well for us the creators of all these videos is we all get a little cut of the money as well so it's a big like cooperative so i'm working on that but i've got this idea that i want to put past you see if you think it's a good idea for uh a seminar kind of series and tour that i want to do obviously i've got to that's why i want to put it to you see if you think it's a good idea um because although if no one's interested it's not gonna work <laughs> but, uh, so on zoom i've been doing zoom classes with grapple dummies right yeah uh which sucks the soul out of me but uh it's better than nothing but yes. marginally maybe one percent better than nothing um <laughs> so i was like how can i make this more interesting so what i did is i went on youtube and uh i found i got a load of clips of cool matches and moments from mma fights and whatever and then i streamed those clips on zoom uh in like slow-mo and then i talked over the top like i would if i was commentating and then i taught the move on a grapple dummy yeah, yeah. So it's a much more entertaining Zoom class because you're seeing clips from UFC fights and things. Yeah. And then I thought I can make this a fun seminar. So I'd come to your your uh, Marcus's gym, and uh, I'd bring a big projector, super bright one. Uh, we'd all watch a clip from a Craig Jones versus Gordon Ryan match where Craig does uh, Craig Jones footlock someone. Yeah. I'll watch. We'll all watch it together, and then I'll teach it like a Gracie breakdown kind of thing. And then we'll all go off and practice it. And then we'll come back and we'll watch another clip from, you know, this is how Khabib controlled Connor. Yeah. Uh, and 
the way I want to do it is obviously all the gyms have been struggling. So I want to put together this really slick uh, seminar that's like that for like an hour, an hour and a half with some rolling at the end, some fun stuff. Um, and then make it so whoever invites me to do the seminar, I do a 50 50. Because the problem with seminars is, you know, Roger says, I want a thousand pounds. And you go, right, I need this many students. If these guys don't turn up, I'm going to be out of pocket. So yeah. all I want to do is I charge, you know, 20 quid a head and whatever I make 50, 50 split with the gym. So the gym gets, makes money for me just showing up with my projector teaching techniques. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you think? You think it's a good idea? Yeah. I mean, that's something that nobody's done. Um, <laughs> it could be because it's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. No, no. With the project. I mean, that's fantastic because normally when you get, as you know, a seminar, a personal turn up, um, they'll show you a move based on maybe something that they've done. Because the yep. most recent one was we had uh, Kyle Terra, um, oh, yeah. Musumeki uh, nice. in Scotland. So he came out, obviously Marcus's gym, we brought him in. And then what they did was they showed a move and then they said, this is the move that I did in the world champion, whatever fight it was. And nine out of 10 people in the room are thinking, we've never seen that. Yeah. We've absolutely no idea what he's talking about. Obviously, the jiu-jitsu hardcore knew exactly what he was talking about because they've seen the fight. But, as I said, most of them, white belts, every belt. Most of Marcos probably never seen it either. Um, so, for you to turn up with a projector and say, well, look, let's watch Craig Jones or let's watch whoever, Gordon Ryan or whoever it is, and then actually show it. So, people are then saying, all right, okay, so that's mm -hmm. what it is. Um, and then obviously you showing the move. So I, I think, yeah, I mean, as the jujitsu is all about, as you know, seeing something and then going and doing it. So yeah. you as a coach showing something, telling us why you're showing us it, and then doing the move. That's jujitsu. Um, a lot of people use YouTube as well as a yeah. as a teaching aid or as a an instructional that they can watch and then copy the move so for you to be able to do that in a seminar yeah i mean i, I think that that would definitely be a fantastic thing i mean it's something obviously we'll get you up to glasgow definitely yeah. do you know what I mean i'll get you i'll get i'll pimp you out all over <laughs> <laughs> well that's the goal is like you know for me like you're saying earlier like the the community and traveling around and like i i'm not you know, with these things, you got to, I've got to cover my expenses and make yeah. just enough to keep the wife off my back. That's always the goal. But uh, for me, you know, if I can come and, and especially if people like it, you know, in, then in six months' time, there'll be another six months' worth of MMA fights and jiu-jitsu tournaments and ADCCs. So I can come back again in six months and break it down and yeah. still do the same thing. And, you know, the the I feel as I've attended a lot of seminars, like you say, they can be a bit dry and boring. And I think most people love jujitsu because they like rolling. So it yeah. feels like a seminar can often feel like a really long class where you don't get to do the fun bit. Right? <laughs> and then often these kind of uh, stars of jujitsu, yeah. you know, they're doing a tour, they're a bit low on energy, slightly jet lagged. So like uh, we've had one guy turn up drunk, <laughs> Dean Lister. Um, <laughs> so it's like, I feel like, they don't put the effort in. And also, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not, I've, I've won the most, the most prestigious thing I've won is a black belt British masters, right? Uh, I'm not a world champion. It, I can't rock up and, and say, I'm Roger Gracie, give me two grand. Right. <laughs> so I've really, I've got to come with a really, a higher quality product. So my idea would be, yeah, we could turn up and do that. And then um, I have a film of it as well. So people could rewatch it on, you know, some entry point as well and give out handouts and put in a lot of effort with it. And, and then, it's what it's like hopefully it will be 
it's I always think what I want to find in my life is kind of like like doing the TV stuff is I get paid to I get paid to do something I love. So yeah. right, I don't really care if it's minimum wage, but I just get paid to do something I love. And I love teaching jujitsu, and I love I really love teaching seminars because you meet all these cool people. It's so it's like it's so much fun. So yeah. if I can get to the point where I can build this nice little network of people that really enjoy. My, my my video breakdowns and seminars and the thing about it as well is because because of the commentating i can tell a narrative and a story so like the the one i did before was uh ebi where you had craig jones and gordon ryan so i was cool. showing clips of craig going through the bracket and what he did teaching yeah. that and then gordon going through the bracket and then being like and then they meet in the final it's the two greatest snooggy grapplers on earth and and then this is the last and then you skip to the last 10 seconds where he's got the armbar and then this is what gordon did different to craig and this is why gordon could make him tap and craig couldn't make him tap and like yeah. and like it's so, that's got to be more interesting than some black belt that doesn't speak very good english kind of half asleep teaching something that's my theory hopefully we'll see so i'm gonna i'm gonna feel i'm gonna do one make a little promo video of me doing it and yeah. then send it out to all the gyms and be like look 50 50 split if you think this is a cool idea have me along if you don't thanks anyway no, definitely as i definitely it's something as I, I think especially scotland i mean as we the guys in scotland love jujitsu i mean we get people coming from everywhere globetrotters as well i mean we've got one of giles garcia um, oh, yeah. so giles uh, got his black belt uh, last year on from christian uh, at a globetrotters uh, camp that he was on so uh, back in the summer last year so so obviously the globetrotters stuff as well i mean as i say we we know all about the globetrotters i mean all, all of the gyms i think most majority of gyms are all in scotland they're all globetrotter friendly gyms so well, we should we should all be right because like i don't like the whole team thing it doesn't really mean like let's just all get better together like i've mm -hmm. had i've had instructors not be happy that i'm training at 10th planet or training at, i one of my first so after braulio's one of the i was trying to find somewhere closer to trade and i went to what was at the time was brazilian top team it was in milton Keynes, place in england and um and they were like, oh, if you train here, you can't train anywhere else. And I was like, what? And they're like, oh, it's secret moves. I was like, bye then. I was like, what are you talking about? The secret? How? I can't use it in a competition then if it's a secret, surely. And they're like, oh, that's fine. I'm like, but there's people there watching. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It's so stupid. Like, let's just all get... So uh, every... I, I couldn't do it last year, but every year I organize um, uh, a super seminar, right? So I try and get together the biggest names in UK BJJ that will give me their time for free. We put yeah. on this giant seminar and get everyone over. So like two years ago, could do last year, we had Mauricio, Dan Strauss, Ross Nichols, uh, Mick Brostus, who's uh, Eddie Bravo's first uh, UK black belt, uh, Gavin Stewart, uh, myself, uh, and a couple of other guys. And like we had this like killer lineup, and everyone just taught 15 minutes, and then yeah. there's these. And then, you know, there's a Ted Planet guy drilling with a Roger Gracie guy drilling with a whatever else guy. And like all these different clubs got together. And it's like, why is, why does anyone, like, we all do the same sport. Let's all hate Thai boxing together, right? <laughs> Let's not hate Jiu Jitsu. What's the, what's the point? <laughs> Makes no sense. Or Stombo or something. Yeah. 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 Now, that's the one thing about Scotland. I mean, as we, for years, I mean, we've been trying to get it to that point where everybody trains with each other. Um, and we're now at a point where, well, obviously, before the lockdown, we, we we had it where everybody was going to each other's gyms. Whenever there was an open mat, it would go on the Scottish Jiu-Jitsu page and you would have guys turning up for all, from all over Scotland, turning up for the open mat, 
seminars when we did the the, the Coyotera seminar we we put out to everybody in Scotland um, because it's Coyotera and Mikey yeah. was Meki, so we're like, well, fucking, I'm, we're not going to be selfish and keep them to ourselves. So we put it out to everybody, and we had people turn up. I mean, we had someone turn up from, I think it was fucking Portsmouth, <laughs> flew all the way up for the seminar. Black belt it was a female black belt. Um, Good afternoon. She came up and uh, stayed for the seminar and then flew back down. <laughs> so it was like, wow. So yeah, I mean, we opened it up to everybody. So something like that. I mean, we we seen especially that seminar. There was there was black belts from all over Scotland. I turned up and as I said, Portsmouth that, that had turned up. So you had Gracie Baja black belt. You had the Marcus Nardini. You had a couple of their black belts. You had obviously the, the I can't even remember the gym. I think it was Checkmat um, that she came from. Um, come up from Portsmouth. Um, so there was black belts, and, and I think we had about, including Mikey and Kyle Terra, I think we had about maybe eight or ten black belts yeah. that turned up on a fucking Thursday night. <laughs> but at six o'clock on a Thursday night, they travelled from all over. So it was great to see. I mean, as I said, you, you don't see that very often. Um, you definitely don't see that very often. It's a shame. London used to be like that, where you'd have these open mats at certain gyms and everyone would get together and yeah, you could have 20 black belts sometimes on a mat. And uh, it all seems to like, obviously the last year has been almost nothing, but slightly prior to that, it was all kind of going away a little bit. You know, a lot of the gyms had uniform policies coming in. Everyone has to wear the same yeah. gear, same rash guard, same shorts. And um, the Roger Gracie group, uh, they've insisted upon that and that's why I'm still connected and uh, that's where my belts are from and we still have a good relationship but that's why I became fence and jiu-jitsu because I don't want to turn around to my 16 year old student who saved his pocket money for his gi and tell him he can't wear it and um yeah and it, it, it just it wasn't quite the move because I also I'm a, I'm a karate strict background right and I do that as well which has the strict you must wear this you must look this way yeah. um but that's always been like that. And that's that's what that is. It's this Japanese military thing. The thing I liked about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was it's a nice yin to that yang where everyone high-fives and shake hands and no one bows and everyone kind of get quite chill about it. The, the Brazilian you know ethic comes through. Yeah. And they're, they're taking that away now by making it, you must call me this and line up this way and wear this uniform. And yeah. uh I'm not really into it. it. I like it when my students wear. I have a, I have a, my gi with my logo on and my rash guard, and it, you know, I like it when they wear that. But I don't care. Like you, you can wear what you want. You know, if you're proud to represent have my name across your back, that's cool. But otherwise, yeah. no worries. I'm just here to teach you jiu-jitsu. I don't need you to wear my name. And, uh, it's, uh, it's like <laughs> it's a bit like when you see grown men wearing football shirts with the name across the back. It always freaks me out a little bit. I'm like. <laughs> I remember listening to a podcast and they say, if you see a man who's wearing your shirt, you're allowed to fuck him. But I don't <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's quite inappropriate. Um, and then, obviously, Carol, Carol Fisher. Uh, come in with yeah. Yeah, so who's been your biggest influence in your jiu-jitsu? Now, this, this is probably one of the ones, because obviously you you are training with Hodger Gracie. You're training yeah. under under Kev, who's under Hodge Gracie, Mauricio, and so on. So, um, so I'm presuming that would be your biggest influence, or do you have someone else that you would look at? Uh, so, biggest influence. So, 
I would say they are huge influences. And the problem is you say anything else, it feels like you're doing them down. And, and obviously they're, they're, they are massive influences, but everyone's got their game, right? So Roger, <laughs> so I'm six foot five, right? Roger's six foot five. So everyone's, yeah. when I started jiu-jitsu, they're like, fight like Roger. And then I stood next to Roger. I was like, I am not, that guy's twice as wide as me. <laughs> Have you seen his back? Like, yeah, he tears people's geese in half. Like, I, I, I struggle with paper, right? So I can't, I can't, I'm not particularly strong, but I am, I'm probably more flexible than Roger, right? So I can do rubber guard and stuff like that. And then Kev is an amazing instructor, but he's four foot two, right? And little angry ginger bloke. So he can teach me a lot, but I'm never going to fight like him. So I think the, the, my biggest influence has been uh it's so hard to say it's like my biggest influence is like the youtube basically right (laughs) so if you like i I watch matches and i and i see techniques and i try it out and 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 then i go to all these different instructors and get their influence and put and put it all together but i think the biggest thing for me is not so much like the one biggest influence. It's putting it all together in a mounting pot and, and making your game, your jujitsu and then coming out with that. And then, and it is not just your physicality, but it's your personality as well. Like I said at the beginning, I'm not an aggressive person. So I tend to let people kind of, uh, the boxing equivalent, like punch themselves out, like grapple themselves out patient and like slowly look for weaknesses. So, Instead of like one influence, I feel like I've had a million influences and made my own potion out of it, my own jiu-jitsu game. That's a yeah. long way of saying no one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all always funny. I mean, as especially because I, I think I spoke with uh, Professor Joanna, um, who trains under Hodge Gracie as well, and that was the thing. Always somebody came in with the same kind of question who's your biggest influence and her biggest influence was obviously i mean you're training with the best person that's ever done jujitsu so how would you look at someone else do you know what i mean so yeah um, but then he's also he's the best ever and part of that is because he did it since he was like six years old right so it's a bit like you know someone really inspiring can be you know some someone that had some horrible physical problem and over overcomes it right and then they deal with that and sometimes a great coach i'm sure you found this like you've had great coaches that aren't that good at brazilian jiu-jitsu like to roll with right mm-hmm. you can smash them and then they teach and you're like whoa your like level of knowledge is like it's a bit like they're an amazing racing driver but they've got a crappy car <laughs> right <laughs> so it's a mean analogy but uh so like Roger's amazing and he's yeah. an amazing racing driver with a bloody Ferrari, but mm-hmm. there's, there's like, there's other people as well. And there's other approaches and, uh, and to like, I think the problem maybe for Roger is it's, it's, it's almost, it's too natural and easy for him. Sometimes yeah. it's good to learn from someone that really struggled. So mm-hmm. I had, <laughs> I had some privates with Roger years ago. My wife for my 30th brought me a couple of privates with Roger. So I got on my notebook being like everything I could think of being like, right. I'm going to ask him questions on this and everything I said, I was like, all oh, right, Roger, I keep getting passed when I go for this from X guard. And he's like, why? I'd be like, I don't, cause I'm not you. That's why. <laughs> what do you mean? Why? Yeah, like, yeah. How can you, I'm like, I'm not you. Right. That's the problem. And then, so I think sometimes like Roger's a great influence and like his jujitsu, I really, I'm really I admire, but it's also as well. Like, 
I, w- I will probably never be that because to <laughs> I'll never be that even if I did all the steroids and did everything in the world. But to even be like my maximum potential, uh, let's say get bronze in Masters Worlds, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I probably have to be a terrible dad and a terrible husband and very selfish. So I've got so many influences, but to just pick one is very difficult because it's also, I look at things beyond just how good are you at choking people? Like, you know, how good are you? I want, I want a all round good person, right? And Roger's a good person, but uh, you know, there's many other people as well. Definitely. Definitely. And then um, future, what's the future then for yourself? Obviously once we get out of this lockdown properly, (laughs) um, because obviously that's the, that's the biggest hurdle as a, now they always say about jujitsu, there's going to be a lot of hurdles, but nobody foreseen this, this yeah. pandemic. Um, so obviously there was nothing in the the, the black belt blueprint that mentioned <laughs> anything about a pandemic. Uh, I used to have a panic attack if I had to close for one day when it snowed. I'd be like, everyone's going to quit. I'm going to be homeless. And now you're like, I close for a year. Ah, I'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, once once we get out the lockdown, I mean. What's what's your vision? I mean, for for maybe yourself, for your your own gym, for for battle arena and stuff like that. So, what, what's your visions? So, um, I got a couple of like. So, I think you you got, you got to have a plan and a plan B, and and um. So, I'm looking at a new location, uh, yeah. a bigger kind of location to have my own gym. But I've always wanted. So, the location we're looking at is on the side of a um, rugby club. So, we'd have an arrangement with them where. Uh, basically, we wouldn't have to pay that much rent. So, because I I want to be able to run my business in a way where it doesn't suck the life and soul out of me, where I don't want to do ten privates a day because I'm just going to end up miserable, right? So, I've been looking for a gym for years, a big place, but in the yeah. right way, where I'm, I'm not just become some miserable businessman. Um, so, if that works out, um, which is hard to know because funding and whatever now with COVID, um, but if that works out, then there. If that doesn't work out. Uh, I was thinking of building like a nice uh, log cabin in my garden, big matted area, kind of 30 square meters or something. Um, And do like loads of small groups and privates. And Mm -hmm. I'll still do group classes in a gym down the road or a couple of gyms. Um, But like the majority of my business will just be doing privates in my garden, which is quite a cool lifestyle balance thing. Uh, And then more, more glow trials camps, hopefully my seminars, if we can get people interested in that. And um, I'm definitely not done competing. I think Masters Masters Worlds is calling me. Um, I might wait like another year till all my kids are at school, and then I can I can be a bit more selfish about my training. Uh, yeah. Do you know this year they still have Masters Worlds, right? So uh-huh. I've been, I'm pretty fit. I've been lifting and kettlebells and all that stuff, and uh, so I was like, I wonder if I could go and do all right. And I was like, this could be really genius, right? Because if no one else goes, <laughs> right, I get a medal. I'm like. You know, silver medal, world masters, black belt champion, right? Ne- retired, never compete again. And I was like, I'm going to look at my category. Maybe I could fly out last minute, sneak in, compete, come back. Uh, yeah. I looked at my category, Lovato. I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, 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 I know. I might just yeah. give it another year. <laughs> yeah, see Lovato. See Lovato's name. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's. <laughs> Especially first round. I mean, I, I remember going over to the Euros, um, not the, not the, um, last year, the year before, and I came up against. I'd always look at the, the the list of people who's in the division and think, right, I'm going to smash him. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it's just getting myself mentally ready. So when I go in, I'm like, I'm the king. Right? Nobody's I like it. Me. It's good. 
So in the division was the world number one as per <laughs> ranked by the IBJJF. Right? You don't so, want to Google that. <laughs> so, so obviously the top blue belt number one ultra heavyweight, and I thought I'll go in ultra. I don't, I'm about 106. I'll go in rather than cutting the six kilos. I just went in and. Um, he, I got him the first round, the very first round, right? So I'm thinking, because everybody was laughing, saying, Stuart, you're going to get him in the first round. And then they brought out the fucking, uh, the, 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 the fights. And yeah, first round, me against this guy, Juarez Santos, right? So we goes to go into the mat. Now, I was in the bullpen, as I do, jumping about, looking over to the guy, trying to get him to look at me so I can be like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> But nothing. This guy was ice cold, <laughs> focused. And he got, we went over to the mat and flow grappling came around with all their videographers and their, their cameras. And they were all taking pictures of this guy and taking videos. That's the bad side. You got to be like, thinking, this is a right. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking, why are they doing this? Why, why are they doing this? And then he's down on his knees. He's praying to Jesus. And, and I always said, if you ever fight a guy, that before the fight is on his knees praying to Jesus, you're fucked. Right? Yeah, he's praying for your mercy on you. That's what it is. Yeah. That's the trouble. So we went you got to stop doing it, buddy. <laughs> we went in, man, and I'd done, I done okay for the first, I don't know, 40 seconds. And then he managed to... I went to take him down to foot sweep him, but he stood over, and then he then foot sweep me on the one leg that I was off, that was still on the ground. And then he got me down, he went, I'd watched his fights and he, he does this knee on belly where he puts his knee right into your rib and he pulls you right into the <laughs> into the knee. So he did that, but then I managed to turn and get away. Then he spun around and got right into the other rib and I tapped, right? And I was like, ah, and I remember coming off my teammates like, you fucking tapped a knee on belly. Yeah. <laughs> and I was In like, your own weight what? division. It's a little embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> so, but then I had to come off. I remember I thought I'd broke my rib and the medic's coming on and the medic's like, let me, let me carry you off. And I'm like, no, no, I'll fucking, I'll walk off. This is fine. And then they took me, I had to go away and see the medics and stuff like that. And they were going to take me to a Portuguese hospital. And I'm like, no, no, it's fine, man. It's just a fucking neon belly, man. You know what I mean? But it was horrible, man. Absolutely horrible. You got to stop doing it. Because the problem is, as you go up the belts, it gets worse. Because I, I, I used to do that, like, I used to compete at Blue Bat a lot. And I'd Google everyone and try and see if there's video. And, yeah, like, oh, yeah, even yeah. a photo. I'd be like, oh, look, he likes Tiger Drops, like, obviously. But, uh, yeah, get to, like, brown and black belt. And I'd be like, nervous chatting to the missus and i'd be like oh no this guy he's an mma champion he's done this that and the other there's one day she's like and you have i was like oh yeah <laughs> like, i don't think about that and i was like yeah, yeah like i i got to brown belt and i was like i can't ever do this again i'm just gonna yeah. turn up and fight who's in front of me and hope for the best yeah, and uh, yeah. as long as i don't get hurt it's a good day but yeah you can't google people anymore like, yeah. <laughs> it's too depressing no one's yeah, gonna usually... come out of me I got yeah. smashed every comp. You're like, yes. <laughs> See, I usually do it because what I like to do is I usually, and I've done it a few times where I message my opponents, right? And just oh, be no. like, I'm coming. And, um, and You're a flirt. That's what that is. Yeah. I'd, always been, I'd always been successful with it because, and my my thought behind any kind of combat sports, whether it be jujitsu or MMA and stuff like that, and is if you annoy your opponent to the point where they're angry, right, 
See, <laughs> anger's an emotion, and you can't fight with emotion. This is my thought, right? Whether it works or not. It's like Connor versus uh, who's the guy who knocked out in 14 seconds? Aldo. Oh, yeah. Aldo. Got him yeah. angry. Yeah. Yeah, so he got him angry. So that's my thought. If I get my opponent angry, and I've been doing this since what, 2015, where I've just been messaging opponents like, I'm coming to get you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And because I'm always. If that like, was me getting that message, I'd laugh so much. I'd be like, oh, that, like, I always think that's a big old chink in your arm. I've got to be honest. <laughs> But most of them do. I mean, we, we laugh about it. But uh, me being five feet four, <laughs> all six feet plus. So I'm, I, I need every advantage I can get. And as I say, I've been successful. Um, apart from, I'd say, this guy was ice cold, never spoke a word of English. So even <laughs> me looking at him like, yeah, he would never have known what I was talking about. You know, the racism like, always comes out as well. You're always good. And then you get a Brazilian. You're like, oh, no. <laughs> he must be really good. He's Brazilian. He must be amazing. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Uh, well, Chris, it's been an absolute honour speaking to you. Oh, and, uh, is this the longest one? Did I win? You are, by the time we wrap it up, you will oh, be. Sammy's <laughs> best guest. That's what I'm taking. Black so Mountain podcasting. Yeah, so we did. Uh, I was telling Chris at the start of the uh, the podcast or before the podcast came on that the longest. Normally, we keep it to about an hour, depending on how the conversation goes. Um, I say some comp- uh, some podcast calls can go on for hours they can um, be painful uh, sometimes though this, yeah. the, there's some that should be cut for sure i listen to some podcasts and the guy like doesn't give any back doesn't yeah. give like he's like yeah yeah i think so yeah and he's like <laughs> oh my god like you realize this is entertainment what are you doing i've had a couple like that i have had a couple fighters like, are yeah. bad for it man fighters yeah. are really bad for it they can get on the mat not nervous get in a cage not nervous you put a microphone in front of them and they panic I'm yes. like, this should be so much easier than the things you do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I mean, as the, the longest I think, podcast I've done so far was Scott Ramsey a few weeks ago. So we did about an hour and 47 minutes. So I've won. You're about to push in an hour and 40 so, so Chris fuck, is the... Fuck you, Scott Ramsey. No way. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris is the, the, the official uh, longest podcast I think we've done so far. So um, Now, a few places, obviously, you can get a hold of Chris. Chris, obviously, has got his uh, YouTube channel, uh, just Chris Fensum. Um, so well, I, I, have a, I have one just for jiu-jitsu, so Fensum Jiu-Jitsu. So... Um, I pretty much just use it for my classes. So what I do, you're not that many recently, obviously, but what I normally do is when I teach techniques in the classes, I'll film them and I stick it up on there. Um, I also have another one I've done with my friend, which got loads more views than that, and it's Twins BJJ. And it's it's a bit like me and you. It's me with this midget. And um, we get a lot of, we, we kind of, it's like a fun instructional. We like dick about while we teach him Iminari or whatever, and he, drops his balls in my face and that kind of thing and we go like it goes he like started hitting me with a belt and yeah so i don't know why i've got so many youtube channels you the only the one you plugged is the only one i don't use i think <laughs> well the so, fact that we, we were talking about this earlier and that was uh you did uh there was some jujitsu stuff on it but then more recently has been uh go cars and things like that so yeah i built stuff, i um, built cars so uh yeah um, that's uh and then, random stuff on there now, I'm looking at the Fensome Jiu-Jitsu one as well. So Fensome Jiu-Jitsu, again, just obviously breakdowns of, um, I mean, there we go. We've got scarf hold, straight arm lock, Americanas, uh, fundamentals, wrist locks. So, um, so, yeah, a lot of great videos on. There's quite a lot of videos as well. I think you have 
Yeah, a number of videos on there. So find some jujitsu, some great jujitsu stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, so definitely give that a look. Chris can be contacted on his Facebook as well. Anybody yep. that has him on Facebook, uh, Chris Fensom. Uh, anywhere else people can contact you, Chris. So um, I think I'm on Instagram, Chris Fenson BJJ. I put a few things on there. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, main things. If you if you're looking for a announcer, so MC, commentator, uh, or like a presenter or whatever for an MMA show, uh, I could do that for you. Um, I do it a little bit differently to most people. So um, like if I if you want me to come and announce or whatever, I'll get there early. Most announcers won't. I talk to the fighters first. Most announcers won't. Uh, and then I'll put together a little video for you if you want. If you're a fight show um, and like just previewing the main event, do like a technical breakdown, help you with the promotion. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, and then if you want to learn martial arts, uh, I teach in Tame, uh, which is in Oxfordshire. Also, can do martial arts in Oxfordshire. And Elite Training Center and Leighton Buzzard, three really good gyms. Uh, any of those, just come along, jump in a class. I'm sure you'll uh, love it. And then we've got Globetrotters camps uh, to work for Globetrotters. So come along and uh, join in a camp uh, with Christian. Uh, and then anything else, just drop me a message. I'm always love chatting. As you can tell, an hour and 50 minutes later, I love just waffling away. So if anyone wants to chat, keep me company, just uh, drop me a message. Definitely. Listen, it's been an absolute honour, as I said. Uh, oh, and if you uh, want to book a seminar, if you like my seminar idea, and you want to, if you if you're like, come to my gym, just drop me a message, and I'll I'll put you on the little reserve list and get you uh, one of the first gyms. Definitely. So, but we'll definitely get you up to Scotland. As I yes, said, I love Scotland. I really yeah, do. Listen, we'll we'll get you. We'll travel around Scotland. We'll go to different places. As I say, we can. We've got gyms all over Aberdeen, up north, Inverness. Uh, all the way down to uh, Glasgow, Edinburgh, Dundee, and so on. As I said, uh, I'll have you. Uh, it depends how long you come up for, Chris. As I said, I can I can have you working for forever. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't want all my messages, my uh, my children coming with me. That's the problem. <laughs> all these little hellions. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm definitely looking forward to to hopefully get you up to Scotland. As I said, once we get rid of all this the uh, pandemic stuff, so. Um, but yeah, listen, Chris, it's been an absolute honour. Anybody you want to shout out, thank? Uh, yeah, uh, let me shout out all oh, this. You always miss someone if you do this. And then like just going, oh, thank everyone. Seems so like generic. But yeah. uh, my fellow commentator on Battlerina, Steve Brinkman, he's a great guy, great influence. Uh, Christian Globetrotters, James Price, Ballerina, um, uh promoter. Obviously my coaches, Roger Gracie, um, Kev Capel, Mauricio. Uh, lots of other jiu-jitsu guys are trained with Dave Pless did, uh, Gavin Stewart, 10th Planet Bambury, um, uh, the, all the guys that can do, all the guys at Elite Training Center, all the guys in Tame that have hopefully still not listened to this after a 50, hour and 52 minutes, you've nothing better to do with your lives. And then all my friends and all supporters, and then the main one, I know it's a bit cheesy, but uh, my missus, because when we got married, I was still fighting pre-kids, and, um, and I had to be a selfish prick for a while, because... Yeah. I was just, I would train jiu-jitsu two, three times a day, every day and fight and be miserable in between because I was tired all the time and she's been nothing but supportive. And uh, yeah, like I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have any of this without her. She's like, she's the best influence in my life. So uh, yeah, main one, my missus and uh, everyone else. Thank you very much. 
brilliant perfect and thank you Stuart sorry thank you mate this is a brilliant podcast and you know normally I don't want to blow some smoke at your ass for the last 30 seconds normally I don't listen to martial arts podcasts because I do it for a living and it can be like overwhelming just to do it all the time so normally I listen to car podcasts or comedy ones or whatever but I I was like oh I want to you asked me to come on so I was like I want to listen to oh Chris Emmanuel as well getting me on this podcast thank you very much yeah I was like oh I listen to the podcast you know try it out a little bit just listen to 10 minutes and i ended up listening to two or three episodes all the way through because you, you've had great guests and they're really good at telling stories and um you yeah. say it's a lot more you've you've kept it a lot lighter and more fun than the normal kind of dry boring jiu-jitsu weekly death podcast where they're describing a position over uh yeah. <laughs> well you're listening in your car to someone describe how they put their arm through and you're like what are you doing this is not the way to teach <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah brilliant podcast mate no, listen, thank you very much. And I uh, want to come back on as well, because that was I've got another two yeah, hours that, in me. Well, <laughs> do you know, do you know what? We um whenever obviously you guys have got a uh, a battle arena, obviously I know that we'll be speaking to some of the fighters and things like that yeah. as as and when they come on. So yeah, listen, more than happy to get you on, talk about the event and stuff like that. So um any event that's coming up. I'd say it's not always about well, it is about the fighters, but then it's about everybody else. Obviously, you mentioned you're gonna be your very first TV presenting, so I want to hear about that. Do you know what I mean? I want to hear any nerves. <laughs> anything horribly wrong. I was going to fire first day out, but at least I went for it right. You got to like it's like it's like getting flying armbar in three seconds. I just go on there, stumble over my words, and then be asked to leave. But, uh, but no, we'll definitely have you on again. I'd say it's been an absolute honour. It's been an absolute, even though it's an hour fifty odd minutes. I'd just say I've absolutely had so much fun uh, as I normally do. Um, but yeah, I'd say the. You've kept me laughing all the way through, so hopefully the viewers that are watching, as I say, they've been laughing just as much as me, Chris. So, um, <laughs> at me or with me, that's the problem. It's <laughs> not at me. Oh, a little bit at me is all right. <laughs> Cheers, uh, buddy. Thank you again, Chris. All right, and take it easy, buddy, and we'll speak to you soon, okay? Perfect. Thanks, mate. Take care. Bye.